Welcome to the first free two hours of the BingeCast on the Binge Media Podcast Network. All of our listeners receive the first two hours of the BingeCast for free, while premium members receive the full binge. The entire four-hour show available exclusively at patreon.com slash binge media. And they'll get early access to the show 24 hours before everyone else. For only $5 a month, premium members also get access to exclusive shows, freaking shot recipes, and our monthly happy hour on Discord. Sign up at patreon.com slash binge media to join us today for only $5 a month. And now, the Binge Cast. Do you like smelling candles that remind you of theme park rides, theme park snacks, and theme park fun? You know, without all the sweaty, smelly children around? So do we. Go to ParkSense.com and save 20% off using the code BINGE20 at checkout. ParkSense.com has candles, room sprays, wax melts, and oils. If you like your room smelling like the E.T. ride at Universal, ParkSense is your man. Just go to ParkSense.com, buy some loot, and use the code BINGE20 at checkout for 20% off your entire order. That's BINGE20 at checkout for 20% off. ParkSense.com. Made by fans. For the fans. What did you Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Binge Cast. Well, it starts an innocent weekend night, and it's motherfucking bitch cast time. We may act a little silly, because no! we have some drinks and we sing along to the sounders that are made from the radio songs. Can't wait for the pee break. What did Law watch this week? I'm sure Alex has some TV. Whoa. Leave us a voicemail just to say hello. It's time for the bitch cast show. We probably drink 40 beers or so. And in the morning we're a real hot mess Waking up next to bottles of piss Can't wait to do it all again Watching movies out of four on tens We got so drunk it's like memento It's the Binge Cash Show Let's start the show that's right, deep voice guy. Let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Binge Cast on BingeMedia.net. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Alex Sincero, and I'm here with my House of the Dragon commentary co-host, Mr. Jack Valley. Yo, yo, yo. How you doing? What's going body, on? Body boy. Here. Look at us. Going from the mm. TV commentary desk to the big show desk. Look at us. Big leagues. Playing in the big leagues over here. That's but, right. Uh, yeah. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. What's happening, man? What's going on? Oh, you know, ups and downs, strikes and gutters. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the precipice uh, of the NFL season, which means my watch habits are going to go to shit for the next three, four months. But uh, that's okay. Excited for that. That's why we had to get uh, you in real quick. Real quick before the regular it. season starts. Better believe it. I mean, it, this time of year, there's always this lull between, I want to say, like, somewhere around July 4th, right into the beginning of September, where I start to think like, oh shit, that's right. You know, a bunch of my free time is going to go out the window. Let me let me get some stuff in. You know, so uh, it's good that I'm on now. Good to get some of this stuff. Uh, get 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 these uh, these reviews off my chest, so to speak, and uh, you know, clean the clear the palate for uh, for the season upcoming. So yeah, it's almost like um, you get a uh, you know all bottled up with the stuff you watch. Mm-hmm. Just so used to like you know just fucking hopping on the air and 
reviewing yeah. some stuff. And if you don't get to do that, you just feel like, you know, you got to get all the that review jizz out of you. you yeah, you've got like podcasting blue balls. You know, it's exactly. What you know what? You're a fucking poet, and it's part of the reason why I invited I you on the show today. I fucking try, but it's like Pete says too. You know, it's it's great listening to the show and. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that always made me come back to the show over the years was getting different perspectives on stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's good to, uh, I don't know, feel like I'm doing my part, throw my hat into the ring once in a while and say like, hey, uh, you know, check this out or don't check this out or whatever. Uh, You know, hopefully some people people enjoy that. So So a couple, was it a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, you were at Fenway like in consecutive days? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so so just worked out this way. I mean, I, I think most of us who go to a lot of concerts, uh, we had a bunch of catch-up shows over the past year and a half, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the last ones, actually, I think the last one that we had was Lady Gaga. She had pushed her show uh, twice, I think. Um, so we Damn. were holding the tickets for almost three years before we actually saw her. But yeah, so so Friday night was Lady Gaga. And then I was back there on Sunday for... The first comedian ever to play Fenway Park, uh, Mr. Bill Burr. Amazing. So, uh, wild. Wild weekend. Uh, both shows were fucking awesome for totally different yeah, reasons. completely different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I Who mean, opened for him? You know. Anybody what's you that? know? Who opened for Burr? Anybody you know? Yeah, this guy, Tony V. So he opened for Louie back when we saw Louie either earlier this year or late last year, which was also a show that had been pushed because of the pandemic. Um, and, uh, you know, Tony V's a local guy. I was going to say, I, he's I, a le- like a legendary local Boston comedian, yes. isn't he? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, very funny, but unfortunately he did the exact same set for Bill Burr that he did for Louis. So oh, you knew all the punchlines coming, but funny guy, you know, it's, it's good to see him if you get a shot, but uh, yeah, it was the exact same set. So, um, but yeah, Bill Bill Burr, you know, ab- he 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 killed. He absolutely killed. I mean, you know, he, I don't know what to say. I mean, if you love Bill Burr, it's exactly what you want to hear from him. He he had this bit about the nuance between like <laughs> today's modern day rapists and the old time gentleman rapists who would you know <laughs> they used to give you a little bit of hope. Fucking amazing. Uh, in between that and another bit about like. You know, going to Hooters because you're getting chicken wings, and he like breaks down the genetically modified chickens that are ground up and made into these tenders that are definitely good for you, and that's why you're going there. It's fucking great. <laughs> uh, he's, I, I'm sure there will be a special for it. I mean, it was films. It was, uh, you know, it's it was it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, so I don't really know how cool. he doesn't put that out as a special hometown. Yeah. Fenway yeah. first comedian. Uh, I mean, that's a such a fucking legendary like benchmark for somebody's career. Absolutely, you know. So that was that was great, and and uh, the Lady Gaga thing. So, admittedly, I I like her first album. I've liked a couple songs here and there, but I'm not like a big fan of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the tickets mostly because I knew Meg wanted to see her. So, you know, locked those down years ago, and finally finally get to the show. Uh, dude, I'll, I'll see her again. Like she was fucking awesome. Um, I, you know, she was, she played, I don't know, six or seven songs on the stage and then came out into the middle of, I guess, just beyond where the pitcher's mound would be 
and she had a whole platform out there where she sang six or seven songs with the piano. So she, you know, there was some high tempo stuff, some low tempo stuff, but really incredible. And then made her way back to the stage. The finale was the, um, or the encore was the song from Top Gun. So she's saying mm-hmm. that behind like walls of fire and all this crazy shit. Um, but yeah, just, just a lot of fun. I mean, you're on your feet the whole time. It was, she, it, it's a rock show. Like I know she's pop, but she's a fucking rock star. It, it was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. That's just you a know, different, and recommend. she's still doing all the chore- choreography and stuff like that. Still doing all the yeah. dance numbers and yep, yep running yep. up and down the stage and whatnot. Oh yeah. Yep. She, she did all that. Um, the video screens had really wild shit on them. I mean, it reminded me at times a little bit of the stuff that like Bjork did back in the day. Mm. Um, with that, I don't know if you even know this, this, uh, video, but I think it was called all is full of light, but Mm. it was, it was just a fucked up looking video where she used this crazy green screen technology to put faces on robots. Um, but Gaga, part of her like video portion of the show had something that kind of reminded me of that. But, mm. uh, but yeah, it, it was it was awesome. A great, great fucking weekend. And uh, obviously, you know, I think most of our audience here is going to go and see Bill Burr. But sure. uh, you know, if if Lady Gaga's around and you can get yourself a ticket for under a hundred bucks or something, just get in the building because yeah, that's a, it was worth it. That's the thing is like for a while we were just going to, um, you know, I guess this is pre pandemic, but like just like the smaller shows are more intimate. You could get closer, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like I said, it's just way more intimate. I like seeing bands like that, but then there is something mm-hmm. about like just the big production of a huge like yep. stage show. Somebody like a marquee name like Lady Gaga. Um, mm-hmm. I think I don't know the last. Maybe it was Elton was like the last like big show like that that I saw. Yeah, and I'm like I got to go to yeah. more of these because everybody knows all the songs and it's just like yep. one giant party. It's kind of it's kind of cool that way. That's, you know, you said Elton. I mean, I was at Elton like a month before Lady Gaga, and that was the same thing. It was just, that was at Gillette Stadium, but mm-hmm. it's exactly what you're saying. We were, we, we had decent seats. We were on the floor. We were like, I don't know, 30 rows back, so we could see him, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was another one of those shows where, like, even if you had a cheap seat up on the nosebleeds, you still were getting an awesome show. Because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. playing to that. to the whole crowd you know um so yeah i mean look i I said a couple years ago i wanted to go to a lot more live shows and i've been doing that Mm -hmm. um but it's not like i'm paying top dollar to get into the first 15 rows for all of them you know yeah Uh, another i mean another one this summer roger waters we got nosebleeds for that it was fine you know like i've seen him before it was great to see him again and uh you know, that's that. But uh, probably in a lot of yeah. ways, though, the fucking nosebleed for like a Roger Waters show is almost better because just uh, the scale of the stage and his production yeah. and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, stage wise, uh, you know, your your perspective on that is actually good from a bit more of a distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that show was crazy for different reasons, because we had some drunk asshole uh, just like collapse onto a seat in front of him, bust his face open. And then paramedics eventually had to drag him out cause he wouldn't leave. So that's amazing. Uh, scared the shit out of a family of four. It was pretty, pretty good people <laughs> watching. Yeah. Fuck Mom off. I'm okay. Mm. Had a Hawaiian shirt on, you know, of it was course like unbuttoned to the top, the top three buttons were unbuttoned. He was just, uh, you know, way, way. Yeah. That's board, a special so. case right there. 
Yeah, TD Garden. That's fucking Boston, kid. It's just the fucking way it goes there, but I guess. So, yeah. So yeah, but bunch of bunch of shows, nice. but uh, but yeah. So the Fenway weekend was was pretty awesome. So. That I mean, that's a lot fucking back to back too, because that's not like yeah. What is that? An hour drive for you or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's about an hour. Um, luckily, I I have friends who live in the city within walking distance of Fenway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, parking wise, not that bad, and. You know, it's really just the drive is kind of a pain in the ass. I I would have preferred the shows not both be on the same weekend, but uh, you know, it was what it was, and, and both were great. So sick, hell yeah, yeah, good nice. shit, man. Well, this isn't the fucking music cast, all right? We haven't done one of those uh, in like six years, so. Well, that's what I heard. So all right, uh, but it is a movie bad. and TV podcast. Holy shit. This here binge cast is, and um, mm. we're gonna be doing a little bit of a docket preview mm. Mm. i just felt like you know let's switch it up a little bit you know we yeah. always have our voicemails and tv roundup what'd you watch this week let's do a little something a little different mm-hmm. so we're gonna bring back the docket and uh you and i were going back and forth with movies you gave me a list of films you hadn't seen i picked one mm-hmm. and um that was 48 hours now you had a few different Walter Hill films on there. I'm like, 48 hours, that is like, you know, it's a 90-minute movie. It's, mm-hmm. co- you know, basically a buddy cop comedy. Um, yeah. Basically modern-day Western for, you know, the early 80s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, kind of kind of an easy kind of film. And But like my go-to for a movie to watch, we're just coming off the Gladiator commentary. You can... Get that on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash binge media, five bucks a month. And we recorded that, what, last week, maybe the week before. And we were talking, of course, about Master and Commander. And that's a movie that comes up and has come up, uh, you know, since we've been friends. So it's like, all right, let's knock this off the list. And and the one thing that made me push for that is you saying, oh, like Master and Commander is like one of the best hang movies. And that's like Mm -hmm. a subgenre that I just fucking absolutely love. I love a hangout yeah. movie. Um, and I can it's, totally see it, your point now. It's good that you chose this for a lot of reasons, but one of the one of the main ones, I don't know if you remember this or not, but early, when I first started writing for Binge, we made the Why This Sucks articles that I came up with. Mm-hmm. And then immediately I was like, oh, okay, what else can I write? And I, I put something together. I think I called it like Profiles in Badass. Not the greatest title, but I'm pretty sure the first character that I did for that was Captain Lucky Jack Aubrey. So Master and Commander's been kind of in my mind since, you know, before Binge, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a movie that I feel doesn't get enough respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I have a lot to say about it. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Nice, today. nice. And for those of you who don't know what the docket is, the docket is a... Series of shows we did in which uh, two people, one of them knows a movie pretty well, the other one hasn't seen it, and they basically review the movie, right? Um, and then they, it's vice versa as well. So the other person right. knows the movie, second movie, and uh, you know the other person doesn't. They review it and just kind of chop it up a little bit, and uh, that's what we're going to do later on today. Yes, sir. It's going to be fucking sweet. And we got a couple what? of... New films to review. I actually made it out to the theater as well. You did too. 
And uh, what else? What else we got? Oh, yeah, the Clerks 3. We're going to be reviewing Clerks 3 later. Oh, you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell me yep. about, like, the whole – so it doesn't get to Chicago until this week. or Otherwise, I would have probably went to go see it. But, oh, okay. Um, yeah, tell me, uh, you know, the whole – because that's, you know, the traveling fucking roadshow with Kevin. That's his, like, yeah. whole thing. Yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, I did this a couple years ago right before the pandemic started for your Jane Silent Bob reboot. Um, yeah. He did the same thing. He was traveling with it, roadshow style. Came to the same theater. It's the Columbus Theater in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a perfect theater to go to because my brother lives around the corner. Mm-hmm. So we can park there, do what we got to do, grab a fucking slice, walk over to the theater and not worry about, you know, parking or any of that bullshit. So it's very convenient Sick. for uh, location. Um, so that's exactly what we did. Myself, my brother, and a couple friends uh, got the tickets. You know what? I think it was like 50 bucks a ticket, um, somewhere in that range. We were the first row before the VIP section. So the VIP section was the first six rows, and then we were row seven. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't in a huge rush to get the tickets or anything like that, but we happened to get as close as you could get without paying the premium, which was pretty great. Yeah, nice. Um, and yeah, very, uh, very easy process. Got there, had a seat. Uh, you know, Smith comes out, introduces the movie, gives you a little aperitif for what's coming next. Movie happens, and uh, and then he comes out for the Q&A. Now, mm-hmm. what was interesting was where we were sitting, you know, we're kind of looking around before the show starts, and behind us to our right are uh, Brian O'Halloran and, oh, God, the woman who plays Veronica, Marilyn, yeah. like, go lightly mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, but the two of them are sitting, like, a row behind us to the right. And we're just like, oh, shit. So I guess they're here for the Q&A, too. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were sitting in the crowd watching the movie with, with the rest of us. Nice. Uh, movie happens. Lights come up. Smith comes out. He introduces them. And then he did about an hour and a half of a Q&A. Um, every time, you know, Kevin Smith talks, he talks at length about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, this was no different. However, this time was particularly hilarious because he had so, – so the, the line gets – you know, people start lining up for the Q&A. But the first person in line is this little kid with his movies hat on with the horns <laughs> and he's got a jersey and all this other stuff. And he's got giant thick glasses. Think the kid from Up, you know, but like mm-hmm. Justin Kevin Smith paraphernalia instead of Boy Scout paraphernalia. That's exactly what it was. Nice. So – He's at the front of the line, and we're close enough where, like, we, he's standing pretty much, like, right next to us. So he gets up to the mic, and he says, Hi, my name's Max. Uh, Kevin, you might remember me from Fan Expo a couple weeks ago. And, and Kevin's just like, Are you the one that mentioned Tusk to me? And he's like, Yes. And then Kevin's like, Let me tell you something about Max here. And he goes into, like, a 20-minute <laughs> story about meeting Max at Fan Expo. Max commanded the fucking room for the next 30 minutes. This kid... Sounded like he was 30. Like, just the way that he talked about Kevin Smith movies and all this other shit. I don't know how the fuck this kid got, like, this vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was hilarious. He told a story about um, insulting Jeff Anderson when asking, like, I guess he was at Fan Expo. And it was Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson. Mm-hmm. And he asked Jeff Anderson, like, hey, is this your line? And he said, no, it's over there, and there was nobody in the line. So he kind of, like, <laughs> insulted Jeff Anderson. Brian O'Halloran was loving it. He's like, no, 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 tell me that story again, kid. Yeah, tell yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. Nice. Um, 
it was it was fucking great um so so you know we got the movie we'll talk about the movie later but the, mm. the q a afterwards was also really fun just because it wasn't dominated with the normal kevin smith i'm gonna answer a question for 30 minutes this kid took up most of the time but he was hilarious so it was much better for that um but yeah look say we'll talk about the the movie itself yeah, later yeah, yeah. on but it's just that's the only setting I want to see Kevin Smith movies in. You know, that's a, that's um, a really good point. Yeah, is he did fun? So okay, uh, Max takes up a lot of the the uh, Q and A time, yeah. but was it was it Kevin telling stories like based off of prompts from the questions, or did he mix in like his own stories like unprompted? You know, because he, obviously with Evening with Kevin Smith, he's a long form storyteller doesn't really need the prompts, but I just kind of wonder if he, he, you know, went off uh, the roadmap a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he tells, so, so I listen to one of his podcasts every week, the fat man on Batman podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the time when he does these Q and A's, he will recycle like a talking point that he had the week before on the podcast because you know, there's only so many stories somebody can tell. I will say this particular Q and A to mm -hmm. me was a lot better at um, him kind of riffing on a lot of different ideas instead of just answering one question for forty minutes, kind yeah, of the yeah, way that yeah. he did when it was the reboot Roadshow. Like, gotcha. He actually talked a bit about you know some of the stuff in the movie, which again we'll talk about later. But like he 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 talked about how he came to certain conclusions with like what to do on this movie based on some of the stuff that was going on in his life and some of that stuff. So it actually in a weird way felt more like a real director up there talking about his film for mm -hmm. once than just like his typical, you know, Oh, do this. Oh, Marvel. Oh, Batman, you know, all that stuff. Like th there was some of that, but it, it was actually mm -hmm. more, I don't know. It, it, it felt more like a, like a real filmmaker talking about his piece of work. Like he was focusing you know? on just the film itself and all the yeah. intricacies yeah. and whatnot. And, yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. So that I was I was pretty thankful for that, you know, cuz that was uh, that was much more interesting than like when we saw him for the reboot road show. So Okay. Uh yeah, a lot there, but uh I don't want to Can't say, say I'm all that excited about. <laughs> that sure, uh sure. look, that trailer starts, the, the Clerks 3 trailer starts, and look, I can't help but to get a little nostalgic. I feel like mm -hmm. You know, it, it, Kevin Smith for our generation, and I, I guess your generation too, is, you know, kind of, you feel like you kind of grew up with him in a way. Yeah. You know, he, he went through different, uh, you know, filmmaker paths. You know, he, he tried doing the studio sure. thing. He did his own thing. You know, now he's doing the roadshow thing. So interesting career for sure. But like, I don't know, man. Halfway through, once the reveal of... Uh, you know, I, maybe it's the whole writing what you know thing and what I'm, you know, mm -hmm. the Randall having a heart attack and like, I, you know, I want to make movies and it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's just so fucking yeah. self-referential, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we will definitely talk about that. So. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, oh, we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Uh, this week. On the full binge. What's the full binge? I'll tell you what the fucking full binge is. Full binge, you can sign up on Patreon for five bucks a month. Patreon.com slash binge media. After we're done with the binge cast, we do another uh, hour or so of additional material. Additional content. 
And this week we have, we, you know, we do tournaments, we do games, we do, um, you know, commentaries, things like that. This week we are doing the Ben Affleck movie tournament off the heels oh of the Adam Sandler tournament, which was off the heels of the Matt Damon tournament. <sighs> this one, dude. <laughs> this one was, this was quite the tourney. Yeah. Now the Duke yeah. in our I Discord mentioned that the Adam Sandler tournament had the least amount of sweep it ups mm. in tournament history. And he's correct on that. Just wait for the fucking Ben Affleck tournament. <laughs> Just wait for the Ben Affleck. Hey, things get pretty nuts. It's not as silly or goofy or fighty as the Adam Sandler one was. Mm. But uh, it appears that all three of us, myself, Jim Law, PMC. We all love the fleck. We all just love the fleck. How can you not? I know. I actually work with a guy who, this was like five years ago. When I first started, we were, we were on the lunch table, you know, getting to know people. Mm -hmm. I mentioned I'm, I'm really into, uh, you know, do a little bit of movie podcasting and movie blah, blah, blah. And uh, he made it a point. He's like, oh, nice. Well, listen, I'm just going to do you a favor right now. Don't ever tell me something with Ben Affleck and it is good. I fucking hate the guy. <laughs> I was like, all right, man, no problem. Just it's, won't it's fucking that. hear it. This is won't hear he, it. <laughs> he just he, he's not. He just put his foot down. He's yeah. just like, look, don't waste my time. And I'm like, all right, and I haven't, and we get along great. <laughs> That's awesome. Look, before Go we on. get too into this relationship here. Don't right, fucking ever right. recommend me a Ben Affleck film. I love that. And he just puts no, no, no. his foot Fini down. Finish your sandwich. Finish your sandwich. Okay, finish your sandwich. But, but, don't do it. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, you know those people who are just like important. fucking absolutely nope on an actor, an actress, a director. Yeah. You know. Do you have any of those? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, actually. Uh, he's a guy that I think you also have problems with. Joel Kinnaman. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which... Funny you bring this up. This dovetails nicely into uh, a, a recommendation I wanted to throw out there for the uh, for the listeners, mm -hmm. uh, if if we have time for it, of course. But uh, I know Bruce has called in mm -hmm. uh, at least once, if not more than that, about this show. I want to say somebody else has recommended it too, but I started it a week and a half ago. I got through all three seasons before this recording, and I'm here to corroborate. The fact that For All Mankind is a phenomenal fucking show. So uh, I, dude, I, I love it. Uh, I think everybody should be watching this show. I, hmm. I, so it's, for a little bit of background, it's the guy who did the Battlestar Galactica reboot, um, who had before that done Star Trek Next Generation, um, Ron Moore. It mm -hmm. has Joel Kinnaman. But the show is so good that it kind of makes me forget that he's there, um, which is which is great. Uh, it, it's really the, the premise of the show is 1969 Russians get to the moon first instead of the Americans, and what mm -hmm. happens from there throughout American history. Mm -hmm. And dude, the sliding doors stuff in this show—I mean, obviously there's a main plot, but then yeah. there's all all these like details in the background and little side stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that Live Aid doesn't happen, but oh. there may be a certain reunion of a band that you and I love that, you know, in this universe, 
may have happened in the early 90s. Ooh, so scorpions. I think, nice. Well, you know. So I think for that alone, uh, there may be some stuff there for you. But I, I just think it's a, it's a phenomenal, phenomenally written show. It's a mixture of mm. real char- like real people who lived, and uh, you know fictional characters, um, and the science behind the show is really great. The music's great. It's entertaining as hell. Um, the acting I think is is pretty awesome across the board, except for Kinnaman. Um, yeah, it's, it's rough, man. Fucking... He's the top build too. He's top build, but it's one of those deals where he is one of the leads, and it. How do I explain this? Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are things about the show that remind me of the leftovers. I actually texted this to TM because the leftovers does this thing from season to season where there are these sort of leaps in time and location. Mm-hmm. So you get. Some like there's a lot of um, storytelling that happens in between the seasons, but you kind of in infer those things and kind of figure them out as you go, right? Like season one, you're in the late '60s, early '70s. Mm-hmm. Season two jumps to the '80s, so there okay. a lot of characters have changed and situations have changed, but you get to see like the progress of these people in their lives and the different directions they're going in. Which, to me, reminded me a bit of The Leftovers at times. I can see that. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a very cool way to tell the story. Um, three seasons. But yeah. Uh, three seasons. I think they're ten episodes apiece. Mm-hmm. Looks like um, it, yeah. And it's also just, like, such an incredible idea. Like, like, I think the core concept of the show is basically making making the argument that America got complacent after getting to the moon and Mm -hmm. then like didn't do anything. I mean, as early as this past week, the Artemis launch was postponed for the second time, trying to get people back to the moon. Mm -hmm. Um, The show makes an incredibly compelling argument for space exploration and specifically having different, different types, excuse me, different types of people go to space as an example for the world uh, how the Americans and the Russians and the Koreans and, and everyone else uh, deal with one another. At, at one point, um, like privately funded space exploration becomes a, a part of the story. Um, okay. It's really, it, it's really great. I think it has all the hallmarks of, of like all the great shows that, that like the binge hmm. audience loves. <clears throat> how uh, are the, the outer space scenes? They look good. So good. Yeah. They're so good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. A, that's, I mean, a, that will take you right out of it too. You know, if it's bad. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a, a couple moments here and there where you'll see something and there's a little bit of CGI and you're like, eh, I don't know if that's great. Yeah. But it's immediately undercut by like a subsequent scene where they're filming real stuff or, you know, they, they have, um, you know, moments when they're in outer space or when they're, you know, when they're on the moon and you're seeing the reality of what it must have been like for them for for people to be on the moon so it's how do i say this you see the moon and and like people on the moon in movies a lot but it's mm-hmm. never like accurately depicted you know gotcha. um like how they ha- actually have to figure out how to walk or you know um keeping their balance or, or anything like these simple little things um I think For All Mankind does a good job of, of showing you all that stuff. And and then also telling the story behind 
you know, a little bit of the, the political stuff behind how things need to get done and mm-hmm. what certain people who really lived and didn't get an opportunity to, say, go to the moon or, or do these things. This show takes those real people, makes them into characters, and sort of gives them credit in, in different ways. Whereas, like, had history shifted a little bit, these people would be more well-known in the general lexicon of, of our, well, our nation's history. Our Is there a lot history, of, uh, you know? so you mentioned like no live aid happens. So that happens in the eighties yeah. or did happen yep. in the eighties. Uh, is there a lot of other like pop culture kind of stuff? Yeah. Do yeah. Now, if you lean on that too hard, you know what I mean? Like that can just kind of take you out because it seems like really shoehorned. Mm-hmm. They balance that well. Yeah. It's never, it's never a plot point. Ever. Okay. Like, okay, like, good. It's it's only background stuff. I mean, what do they call it? Uh, instead of email at one point, D-mail. They call it D-mail because it's digital mail, right? Mm-hmm. But, but it's just like, oh, maybe in an alternate history, like whoever made that decided to call it something other than email. <laughs> um, you know, it's like sometimes it's little things like that. Um, but it's never a focus or, or like it's never anything that the story hinges on. It's just, it's just like colors the background. Really cool. It's world building, you know. Yeah, it does yeah. It, yeah, I like that show. It does phenomenal job of world building in in an alternate world history. But, that kind uh, of layering, yeah. like, just totally brings me in. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I look. I've been wrong before, but I think Bruce he was was very. Thank you, Bruce, for recommending this. You know, back when he did, I had a friend who finally pushed me over the cliff here to, to mm-hmm. check it out a couple weeks ago. I'm glad she did. This show is awesome. I think everybody would love it. You know. All right. All right. Look, I mean, Billy Diddy's did call in a few times about right. fucking right. this show, so you gotta trust him. He's right. Yeah, trust He's them, right. titties. Yeah. Um, while we're here, yeah. I do have one other one that nobody has talked about on the binge cast that I feel like maybe somebody should. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got. I think I recommended it to you, but uh, the Sandman. So. Oh yeah, yeah, I did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sandman, first season dropped. I don't know if there will be more or what. Uh, so, you know, background on the Sandman. It's always been on my to-read list. It's based on the graphic novels by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. came out late 80s, early 90s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anything about it other than it's about the, the dream lord or the dream master named Morpheus, um, who, mm-hmm. you know, is the, is the lord of the dream realm or something. I, you know, very like conceptual. All that Hurry stuff. up! You're losing me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this show, it, I guess it encompasses like a couple issues of the comic. Uh-huh. Um, but basically, what happens is it starts out, and this thing is imprisoned, right? And you know, it's you got Tywin Lannister right away. Okay, oh, so nice. he shows up, and he's it's like 1912. And he's this, like, sorcerer or something. Like, almost like an Anton LaVey Satanist kind mm-hmm. of feel. Mm-hmm. And this guy comes to him and he's like, he brings him a box and he says, you know, oh, it's terrible. I just found out that my, my son's, uh, you know, ship sank off the coast two mm-hmm. weeks ago. He's gone. And it seems like the Charles Dance Tywin Lannister guy seems to think that he can conjure uh, death itself to then command and get this guy's son back and also, like, basically be a master of death, right, okay. or life. So you don't really know what's going on, and then all of a sudden they do this fucking incantation and they trap this being inside of a circle, right? 
And they're like, okay, imprison him inside of a, a sphere. Don't break the circle, whatever you do. He won't be able to escape. And what you find out is that this is Morpheus, the Dream Lord. And that Tywin Lannister fucked up the spell. He was supposed to get death, and instead he got Dream. Okay? Okay. So when, when he has Dream, he steals Dream's mask, Dream's ruby, and Dream's sand. You don't know what these things are to start, but mm-hmm. they just are, are things that... It seems like the ruby's granting long life, and the mask is doing something. Uh, the sand... Nobody really knows what it does. Um, and the first episode encompasses a hundred years of Dream being imprisoned in this sphere. And the progression of Tywin Lannister's family and, you know, his son who he just, like, treats like shit when Dream first meets him. But the son eventually grows into an old man. And after a hundred years, it seems like his son had a gay lover that mistakenly... Uh, breaks the circle and Dream gets out and that's where the story kind of starts um, difficult for me to, to describe all the crazy shit that happens but essentially Dream is is like he's a main character for the first few episodes and then the story blisters out into all of these crazy directions David Thewlis plays a character who was like a serial killer that got locked up and then gets his hands on this ruby from his mother. His mother has a tie to Dream that I won't get into. Um, But there's an entire bottle episode, essentially, where David Thewlis has this ruby, and he's sitting in a diner. And there's, like, six other people in the diner. And it seems like Thewlis is now able to grant uh, people the ability to just not have to lie to one another because he feels that's the best way for the world to work. So you see for an hour the, the, the like de-evolution of people inside this diner when they are just completely unhinged and can just not lie or, or like cut out the niceties and all this, this bullshit. Um, there's another episode where Dream has a conversation with his sister, Death, as she goes and helps people cross over, which was one of the most fucking heartbreaking, incredible pieces of storytelling I've ever seen. Like... Hmm. Um, Dream goes to hell at one point to get his helm back. Um, he There's this other character, the Corinthian. The Corinthian is played by Boyd Holbrook, who has popped up in a couple of things. He was in Logan. But he basically is a, a creation of Dream who is what a nightmare would be. And he's this insane serial killer who got out into the waking world, which is like our world. Okay. Crazy conceptual shit. I might not be be uh, explaining this the best way possible. I see, Gwendolyn Christie's in it, huh? She is. She's nice. she's uh, she's she's Lucifer, actually. Um, I, it's just some of the most thought provoking, crazy storytelling. It's interesting. It goes in a ton of different directions. There's biblical stuff. There's uh, old world storytelling stuff. The titties. There are actually oh, not yet, but close. Yeah. Um, there are ties, it's a DC property, but I guess the comic book actually ties into other DC properties that like (laughs) characters dip in and out. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a DC adjacent character in this series, uh, which is kind of interesting. Anything that that the majority of people would know. Yeah. 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 yeah, For sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's a riff on the character. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not the exact character because I guess there are rights issues, but, um, but yeah. 
really interesting special series, but I, I watched it. I immediately got the first, like, compendium, so I've been reading the first one. Oh, sick. Um, they have compendiums. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm going to order those. Yeah, so. yeah. It's fucking awesome, dude. And nice. you're, you especially will love the book because of the art style. It's, it's the same guy that did uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. And at times has like that, it's got a little bit of that Ralph Steadman chaos to it, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very cool. But yeah, th- I, I, I didn't hear anybody even give this a shot. Um, I think this is worth uh, w- worth checking out for sure. I mean, you know, I'm not sure if Pete would get past the first episode. And I think that there's... There's kind of a hurdle you got to get over with the performance of the lead guy because mm-hmm. I think if it was just this kind of like emo fuck, you wouldn't be into it. But I think that when you start seeing where the story's going, it's exactly how this guy was written in 1989. You know, so they're doing exactly what the book shows. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Also co-created by get... by uh, David Goyer, and I'm sure that's a yes. big plus for you too. Yeah. So if you can. If you can get past that and give it more, you know, maybe more than an episode, it, it's just really interesting. I mean, one of the, this is the last thing I'll say, but there's a convention for serial killers in this show, <laughs> like a, like a comic con for serial killers. Hmm. Uh, crazy shit. It, it's it's a lot of fun. So I, I had a great time with the first season. Uh, if I'm giving it a rating, it's like a strong eight. But I'm loving the book so far. So. Are you are you watching and reading in tandem? So I finished the whole first season because I really couldn't stop, and then mm. I bought the book. So gotcha. my hope is that I'll get through the entire Sandman run before they make anything else. So it's a pretty deep cast too. It's it's really cool. It, there, there, there's some faces that pop up that you'll be happy about. There's one episode that they released after the season dropped, which is a compilation of two, I guess, Sandman short stories. Mm-hmm. One of them is 100% rotoscope animation, and it's a story about cats. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So like the preview video that plays on the IMDb, like, title pages, mm-hmm. I didn't understand. Like, it just went to, like, animations. Like, I didn't know if oh, it okay. was, like, if it was mixing, like, another, like... Got it. ...property yep. up with yep. it, or, like a, like, a side Sandman story up with it. But this is, like, in-universe, exactly they, they kind of do this thing. Yes. Okay, yes. gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. Animation I, I style is cool you, too. Uh, Real cool. Yeah. I think if you sat down and you had, uh, you know, a little herbal remedy, uh, these episodes would go down even nicer. So, uh, you know, definitely nice. a recommendation from me. Okay. All right. Well, you talked me out of watching, uh, two TV shows in a row. That's awesome. Um, there you go. You're yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Since we're here, like you said, did you know that there's a sequel to heat? Out right now. Uh, That's co-written uh, by yeah. Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have not gotten to it yet, but mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. So, Law and I next week are b- going to be doing a whole show reviewing Heat Two. Holy shit! Yeah, uh, it's a fucking long book too. It's like the, the audio book's yeah. like 18 hours or something like that. Okay. Um, I am. Let me see. How far am I in? I just threw it on this morning while cutting the grass, and I am at, I think, chapter... Oh, that's the wrong one. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm like five, six chapters in. 
and it's basically okay. a prequel and a sequel. Okay. So, so we Godfather start two kind of. What's that? Godfather two a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Weirdly enough, fucking Pacino and De Niro in that too. So mm, it's weird. fucking strange. Strange comparison there. Anyway, there you go. Prologue starts off. It's we're immediately. The pro actually the prologue is just like the last heist, just kind of setting the stage of what the last heist in the film is, and he does. Okay. Very detailed. It almost reads like a, uh, like an actual like police report. It's very like technical oh, okay. and detailed. It's awesome. Um, and then it kind of goes off and talks about the events immediately after. So the Chris character who is. Uh, Val Kilmer, we see what he's doing at that point. We see what uh, Vincent Hanna, who is Pacino in the film, we see what he's doing. It's like the immediate aftermath. Okay. Uh, to the point where, like, Hanna even says something like, um, he could, like, feel, he could still feel, like, uh, what's his name? Neil's dying pulse, and that was only, like, a few hours ago. Hmm. Okay. So it just like picks up right away. Yeah. And then it flashes back and you go back like, I don't know, 30 years, something like that. And you get to meet like all the characters again, which I'm just kind of mm. like, uh, I don't know, but I don't fucking care like <laughs> about a prequel or yeah, a sequel yeah. for Heat, you know? It's yeah. It's kind of like, it's very close to a fucking perfect movie, you know? Right. It's like, why do we need to cover this again? But I don't know. I'd be interested to hear after reading, after reading the book or listening to the book to, to hear what, you know, Michael Mann's whole, you know, uh, impetus, I guess, for writing this is, you know, mm-hmm. you just want to revisit yeah. like these characters or like, did somebody, was somebody fucking asking for it? I don't know. Well, apparently he is dead set on making this into a movie too. Like very specifically, it's going to be a movie, not a series. Hmm. So I don't, uh, I, I don't I don't know I, I I don't know one way or the other I'm I'm very curious to to get into this at some point um, mm-hmm. I gotta I gotta slot it in somewhere but I'm I am kind of with you though it's tough to know what I I I just have no expectations for it one way or the other I guess yeah 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 um, that's, that's probably a good way to be because I didn't I didn't either yeah. and like yeah. I'm still but I'm I'm gonna tread you know lightly. In sure. a very Walter Whiteish way. I'm going to tread lightly because, mm-hmm. like I said, it, oh, you mean the, the, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, that what? character from uh, Better Call Saul? You mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Oh okay. Yeah, the guy that showed up for a couple minutes. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, it's like the greatest show ever. So he's got to be one of the best characters ever, right? If he's in true. it, true. I mean, that's just the way that works, right? True, true, true. But sure. uh, yeah, I'm. Not, you know, I'll I'll let the fucking story wash all over me and. I'll, uh, you know, have a big opinion about it, you know, after we're done reading it and whatnot. Gotcha. But uh, at this at this point, I'm just, you know, let's get into this story. Don't need it. Like I said, you know, don't care about a sequel. Don't care about a prequel. But we're here and we're going to review it. And uh, so I'm just trying to be, you know, fucking middle of the road objective about it at this point. So. Yeah, I remember hearing about this a couple of months ago. I think Dan might have posted about it in the uh, Discord, too. I know he's kind of been on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I uh, it, it's so – I don't know. It's, it's such a fine line for me when it comes to 
like prequel stuff now. Mm-hmm. And I know we've said it. The last couple shows you and I have been on, I feel like I've mentioned there's so many fucking prequels right yeah. now. Yeah. And I understand the desire to like further explore characters, you know. But I just feel like Taron. I mean, for me, I I know we never ended up talking about it. I, I don't know where you stand on it now, but. Tarantino set such a high bar for me with the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novel mm-hmm. for just exploring characters but giving you something different than what the movie gave you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, to me, that was such an, a, a different and, like, creative way to maybe spend more time with your creations, you know, and, and give people something new. Um, God, I wish more people were doing something like that. Yeah, it just know? kind of furthered uh, the hang vibe that... The film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has, you know? Right, right. You you really get into, like, uh, Cliff and his, like, love of Japanese movies and whatnot. Which Initially, I was like, oh, come on. But, you know, I I got into it after a while, so. Still prefer the movie, Um, but it's good supplemental material, I guess. Sure, sure. But, uh, but yeah, I, I will be very interested to hear uh, what you guys have to say cool. about it and see whether or not i got to move that up my docket. I know you and I were going back and forth about, uh, you know, maybe doing American Psycho a couple weeks back. I, I did end up getting a copy of it, but nice. uh, I haven't started nice. it yet. So. I will, uh, I'll definitely start that whenever you start it. So, um, right. so I'll, far I'll in, in Heat 2, all, all it's making me want to do is just watch Heat again. Mm. <laughs> it's not really like pulling the interest out of me other than I'd love to watch that movie again. Cause it's a fucking great movie. God damn it. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I do feel like, uh, my, my general opinion on prequels is like, it, it's, it's so fucking weird right now because there's obviously, you know, there have been some prequels, one that you and I talked about at length mm-hmm. over the course of multiple weeks in multiple years. Sure. Didn't quite land for me. Right. And then something like, uh, you know that the Lord of the Rings show pops mm-hmm. up. I'm not in a rush to sit down and watch it, but yeah, then same. I sit down and watch two episodes, and I'm like, "This is fucking amazing! Like, like this is this is awesome! This is what I want!" Nice. You know? like, Should I move that up then? Uh, I I would. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just I mean, feel like it's too I, I much fantasy along with the House of Dragon and whatnot. You know. I think you should probably just do House of the Dragon and then commit to the first episode of, of rings of power when you're ready for it. All right. That's fair. Um, I mean, I'm I, look, I think three episodes have aired. I've watched two. First of all, it looks fucking amazing. Like you think game of Thrones looks good. And then you see this and, and you're just like, yeah, it's not even close. So it's like, like every penny of that fucking $1 billion is definitely on screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, it is. You have never, like, I know that sometimes people use hyperbole and they're like, Oh, you, you know, you've never seen TV look like this and Game of Thrones raised the bar. Game of Thrones did raise the bar, but you know who took that bar and just shit all over it, smashed it and and went 50 feet higher? Fucking Jeff Bezos with Rings of Power. It, it is up. incredible looking. <laughs> like you cannot give it shit for that on any level. Um but yeah, so the whole prequel thing, like mm-hmm. I, I don't I, I used to have more of a problem with it then I guess I do now, but I'm, I'm also struggling to understand like what, why are some of these prequels working for me and others aren't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I've, 
I'm, I'll put it this way. I'm I'm now very intrigued by the Heat Two conversation. So I'll uh, I guess I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah, stand stand by stand by for that yeah. one. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, looks like the dude called in, left a voicemail. Let's see what he uh, has to say. Oh, shit. What up, Binge Media? It's your boy, the Duke. He said that. Calling in with a quick, short review. I'm only calling in because I don't think it's really been brought up or talked about and Law talking about how he could watch Kevin Hart and The Rock clips all day long. Uh, me too. Um, but not that kind of me too. But, uh... A little movie that I took the kiddos to go see. We saw a few animated movies this year. Minions, enjoyed it. Uh, Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, I know that was kind of one that went by the wayside. I actually enjoyed that one, too. A lot of movie references. Kind of fun, Mel Brooks. Uh, The other one was uh, DC Superhero Pets. Um, Is that it? Pets of, I don't know. The Superhero Pet Movie. (laughs) Fucking saw that shit. He's just fucking have a stroke mid voicemail. What the fuck's going on, Duke? Fuck, fuck Duke. Fucking saw that shit. Saw that pet. They're super. Voice cast. You got Dwayne Johnson. You got Kevin Hart. Basically, Dwayne Johnson is crypto. Uh, Superman's dog, who's voiced by John Krasinski. Um, Batman, voiced by Keanu Reeves. Um, and a, a bunch of other characters. That's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, pretty standard, but I thought they did, you know, it's fun. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the story's kind of interesting, and it's about all these pets who get superpowers all of a sudden, and all the superheroes are captured, and they gotta get their superheroes back, essentially. Um, just kind of a fun little plot, and there's different animals that get superpowers, and one of them being this kitty and some of these pets they become good superheroes and some of them become the bad guys essentially and this cute little adorable kitty becomes a bad guy and i think it's one of the best characters that was put on screen this year so i recommend it it's it's (laughs) probably like a soft seven um i highly recommend checking it out it's i think it's super pets cc super pets uh, hey, don't say that. Um, all right, Very well, nice. I can, Thanks, I can, dude. I can add something to that conversation because I also saw DC League of Super Pets a couple okay. weeks ago, and uh, yeah, it's not good, dude. It's not good. <laughs> uh, the, one of the best characters you've seen on screen this year. I mean, we had a Batman movie, dude. <laughs> like, <what the> <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, whatever. Uh, you know what I will say? There are far worse kids' movies. It was fine. I don't know. Like a 5 on 10 or something like that. But I will say this. Hollywood's got a real bad habit of just casting celebrities as voices in animated movies. they got to cut that shit out. Like, yeah. get people who mm-hmm. are actual fucking voice artists. You know? Like, mm-hmm. like stop this. Keanu Reeves is Batman. I, like, John Krasinski is Superman. I wouldn't have known this unless I looked it up. Their voices are not distinct. Yeah, they don't like, have, let's you got to have a very distinct voice. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Like, let's get back to the fucking Kevin Conroys and, you know, all, all the all the folks who made it their life mm-hmm. to be a voice actor instead of just giving the voice acting jobs as well as all the other jobs to 
people like a Kevin Hart or a Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Just the name know? that you can put on the poster or yeah, like any of the, the fucking fuck? PNA. Yeah, Robin Williams was great as the genie, but Robin Williams was great. He could be a great voice actor. That worked. Yeah. Shouldn't be the standard yeah. for everything. No, absolutely but. not. I totally agree with that because you're basically just using and I get it. You're selling a product, so like you would put the big names in those roles, but like you're really diminishing your own film because you're not using you know, the top of the heap as far as talent goes, the voice acting talent. Exactly. It's stupid. So, And that's yeah. why I don't watch animated fucking films. There Except you for go. This. And I've watched like five of them this year, six of them this year, and I'm just, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. That's what happens. That's but what it happens. doesn't, it is you one get... of those things where like, I did watch that Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Mm-hmm. And like, now I feel like I could brag about it. And I'm like, you know, what's a fucking great animated film. Chippendales Rescue Rangers. That's amazing. <laughs> I feel like I have something to add. Finally, well, good for you when you're at the uh, when you're at the soccer games with the other uh, the other folks, mm-hmm. just chopping it up. Yeah, absolutely. They're like, "Where's your kid?" You. And I'm like, ah, "She's like 22 now. She's got her own kids." <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing here? And then you know, that's how Grandpa gets arrested. Um, what do you want to do? You want to do- oh seven zero eight four zero six nine five four six if you would like to leave us a voicemail like the Duke did. Mm-hmm. Ask a question. Give us some reviews. No. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Should we do a little what'd you watch? I think so. All right. Let's um, play a few of these here. Let's see. How about this one? Emmons High. What? His internet phone still works, but give it time. Because he's going to drop off more than once in a while. That cocksucker's never on time, no, no. Well, he's the one they're waiting on. So what are they gonna do after Google Voice and TV roundup? Whoa, so what are they gonna do after movie homework and pee breaks too? Whoa, what'd you watch? Very nice. Uh, fantastic. Very nice. Oh, God. Oh, well, let's, right. uh, um, let's start with a little docket. Let's do a little docket right. preview for the people. All right. All right. Well, I've got a, uh, I've got a clip here mm-hmm. uh, we can kick this thing off with. I think, uh, I don't know, what about you? You think alphabetical order makes sense here? Uh, yeah, let's I, do that. Let's that do that. Sense. All right. So here's, uh, here's a little clip from the trailer for a film by directed by Walter Hill called 48 Hours. They couldn't like each other less. 
they couldn't need each other more. You want to bet? And if they can get off each other's case. Look at you, you got a $500 suit on, you're still a low life. Yeah, but I look good. They just might solve this one. Being a cop is a hard job, Jack. Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy. We ain't brothers, we ain't partners, and we ain't friends. Now, if Dan gets away with my money, you're going to be sorry you ever met me. I'm already sorry. 48 hours. Y'all be cool. <laughs> All right. So, Very nice. 48 hours trailer. Uh, so, yeah, movie I had never seen. Um, you had mentioned I had a bunch of Walter Hill movies on my docket. Uh, yeah, for whatever reason, this was just, uh, yeah, <clears throat> n- nothing I was ever exposed to, nothing I ever got to. And, yeah, it just, I, I had nobody around me who was a fan of it who kind of pushed me to watch it. So, yeah, yeah, it was I got kind you. of a kind of a prime uh prime flick to check out and uh yeah i i want to watch some of the other walter hill movies too just because i love the warriors so much so yeah um, and you know walter hill does those kind of like modern day westerns like i mentioned at the beginning of the show um yeah very much like in the pocket of so he's he's a john milius uh disciple i think um okay. so he's learned okay. by the hand of uh, john milius and i think he wrote maybe a couple of john milius films or something like that but uh um yeah, Walter Hill is just that 1970s, 80s, just a fucking, just making dude films for dudes, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It's something that's kind of lost today, but, you know, you you still see it, but this is just unabashedly, it's like, no, nah, this is a movie for guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not, not to say well, that, well, you know, women or anybody can't fucking like it, but, you know, it's just a very intentional what he's going for, you know? Yeah. He makes like very masculine movies. It reminds me of like Sam Peckinpah, you know, we did the exactly, wild yeah. bunch for mm-hmm. uh movie homework. Very similar in mm-hmm. my opinion. But uh yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this once. I think that Walter Hill is one of the smartest people ever to work in Hollywood. He got himself involved in the alien franchise uh, right. That's by, right. yeah, by being part of the team that basically pitched the idea, um, he has a producer credit on every Alien film. He gets residuals from anything that Alien makes, including now the fact that Disney owns it and you know they now have streaming rights to it and everything else. Walter Hill's still getting residuals from all that stuff. So on that level alone, I think he's one of the underrated, smartest guys ever in Hollywood, or maybe luckiest is, is a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, he got the clout to, you know, get himself involved with that. He never really had to worry about money very much. So I, th- right. you know, if you look at his filmography, he kind of only makes movies when he wants to make them. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I mean, that's the fucking dream, right? It is like, a dream. Absolutely. So I, I respect the shit out of Walter Hill for that alone. Um, and yeah, you know, the, Oh yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna, go ahead because I'm I'm going to set the stage for 48 hours plot wise. But yeah, uh, well, I was just going to mention that I I think he's done a pretty good job of like creating these subgenres of action films uh, with the Warriors in Streets of Fire, this movie. Um, that I, I mean, people still talk about his his films. You know, I I know that the Long Riders. 
Yep. I think I gave that a shot for the 365 movie challenge. Mm-hmm. Didn't love the movie, but just from from the idea of being like a concept western of having four sets of brothers in the movie. Yeah, that is that um, movie. That's right. The Carradines are in the Carradines. Quades. Uh, Carradine's Quaid's Christopher Guest and his brother, and oh, I'm forgetting shit, yeah, one other. Right. Um, but yeah, just an interesting filmmaker. So Keech. yeah, there's, I want to yeah, knock two out Keeches. Keeches, that's right. But uh, yeah, I want to knock out more of his movies, and this seemed like a good opportunity to do it. So fucking a man. Yeah. So uh, Forty Eight Hours came out in let's see, nineteen eighty. Let's see, nineteen eighty two. Okay. And uh, you know, basically. Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy, uh, mm. James Remar, and uh, what's his name? Sonny Billy Bear. He's the, he's the the big guy oh, yeah. from uh, Predator. He's the one yeah, who gets fucking he's... killed. What do they call yes. him in Predator? I forget. Uh, I, th- I think he was Billy in Predator. Too, yeah, I think right? you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like Billy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so James Remar is you know, working on Chain Gang. He's in, in, in prison. And uh, basically busts out with the help of Billy Bear, who's uh, who's uh, Billy, as we mentioned from uh, right from Predator, and um, you know they kill a couple of cops, and now they're on their way to get you know the rest of the loot that they had stolen a few years ago before that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you also got David Patrick Kelly in this, which is a nice little Warriors reunion between him yeah. and uh, James Remar. But yeah, um, like in order for Nolte like to like, Remar. what was that? Sorry. No, sorry. I was just going to say definitely like seeing him in uh, Remar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, you know, in order for Nolte to uh, track down the killer, finds out that one of the gang is in jail and that's Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy has like six months left on his sentence, but, you know, gets temporary, temporarily paroled for, you know, to help track down the killer. And that's basically your... Right. You're set up for 48 hours. Um, one of the things I really love about this film, too, is, like, they don't – even by the end, Nolte and Murphy, like, they don't really get along still. <laughs> like, there's a little yeah. bit of, like, begrudging respect based on, like, just everything that went through the last couple of days. But they're right. still just, like, you're fucking – you know, just, like, jawing at each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I – Knowing nothing about this movie yeah, other yeah. than the basic premise of it, you know, I didn't know what to res- expect. I didn't know James Remar was in this. I, you know, I knew nothing. Literally blank canvas. Um, re- like, how do I explain Nick Nolte's character here? <laughs> I, I'd heard over the years that there were like racist uh, undertones w- with this movie, right? And mm-hmm. that like. You know, that might be part of the reason why it doesn't get as much, I don't know, play on, not cable, but, like, streaming services or any of that yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like nobody wants to play this because, you know, there might be some sticky uh, st- sticky things in there that, that, like, would need to be rectified with a modern audience. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about any of that. Like, I, I never fucking care. But sure. it, it's, it, it is noticeable, right? Like, oh, it's, it's you know, kind of jarring, too. You know, because just a little we, bit. We live in a completely different day and age. Correct. And, Correct. you know, you saying something about the undertones of it, there's nothing undertone about it. Like, everything is above the board and above the table yeah, as far yeah. as, like, dropping N-bombs. Um, right. And just the, the – yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking – The N-bombs is one thing, but then it, it, it fucking Nolte it just can't 
not be a racist fucking asshole in this, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I can understand why this is not necessarily uh, gotten the type of play that, say, a lethal weapon has, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, there's something that's kind of nice about that. <laughs> that sounds fucked up, but like, mm-hmm. it's just, you know. Uh, I remember uh, what's her name Phoebe Phoebe Waller Phoebe Waller Bridge is that her name the Fleabag uh, she made Fleabag mm-hmm. she was writing the new the the last uh, Bond movie right okay and there was a lot of talk about the fact that she was brought in to do some script doctoring or something and they're like oh you know why are we bringing somebody who has like such a female perspective this is Bond it should be a man blah 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 and there was a lot of talk of like making Bond a woman or making Bond black or or like a different ethnicity. And she was one of the people who said, well, it's not the job of the writer to make the character understand all of that and, like, modern sensibilities. Hmm. Bond can say something that might be misogynistic, but it's the job of the filmmaker and the writer to, to, like, basically plead their case to the audience in a more subtle way that, like, that's not the right way to go about things. So, oh, you know? okay. So it's a duty of the filmmaker to kind of frame it in a way. Correct. Where. Correct. It, like hints to the audience, like, Oh, this isn't like cool or whatever. Right. Gotcha. Right. Now, having said that, that I'm not sure that Walter Hill gives a fuck about that at all. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely not. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Um, I, like Nick Nolte is basically, I don't know how else to describe him other than he's just a piece of shit. Like he's a, he's a, so he's yeah. a cop. He seems like he's a decent cop. He has some respect for like the hierarchy of the office that he works in. But other than that, like he kind of treats his woman uh, not not like terrible, but I don't know. Maybe give her a little bit more than the time of day if she calls you at work. <laughs> like that might be important. Um, well, he had a, a just, big break in the case though. Jack, so uh, uh, okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> as a cop, you're allowed to treat everybody like a fucking piece of shit if you got a, a big break in a case. Uh, you know what? I forgot about that clause in their contract, <laughs> so let me retract that statement. But, but no. Um, I, I mean, Eddie Murphy in this is funny, but I didn't think that he like this was the funniest thing that I've seen Eddie Murphy in. Like, like a couple lines here and there, I thought he was mm-hmm. really good, but overall. I think that this movie for me suffers from you kind of had to be there when it when it was out. I yeah, you know? yeah, I, I can I can see that. I can see that. I mean, he's not Axel Foley, Beverly Hills Cop funny. He's not Billy right. Ray Valentine trading places funny. It, it, right. And it, this is his first movie. And mm. um yeah. I think he does I don't know. I think I was talking to Chad yesterday about this, but like I don't know if there's anything better than like for me, for me, and maybe it's because I'm ten years older than you, but like young, I just think about young twenty twenty year old, twenty one year old, been doing comedy since he was like fourteen or whatever. Eddie Murphy, yeah. and just the, like a young comedian like that, getting to like be in your first, you know, this is your first big break on the big screen and mm-hmm. all that, and I think he handles it so fucking well. And, like, he might not be, like, the funniest, um, like he is in, like, Trading Places, like I mentioned, Beverly Hills Cop. But his confidence, though, you know, he's just so comfortable for a first for your first movie. 
and you're going up hmm. against fucking Nick Nolte. Yeah. I I think yeah. it's just an amazing feat just on that on its own, you know? Yeah, I, that that side of it I I can definitely respect. And and there are moments in the movie that I thought were really funny. Like when he's trying to bang the chick at the uh, at oh, the club. God. And he's like, uh, you know, you got any money? I don't have anything on me. He's like, I here's twenty dollars. It should be all right. He's like, thanks. And, and I can't remember what Jack says to him, but the, Eddie Murphy's just like, <laughs> just looks him in the face. He's like, I'm gonna have sex, Jack. And he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that stuff's really good. But, he says uh, something like, I get, I get a, I've been locked up for the past two and a half years. I get a hard on if the wind blows oh, right or something like that. Yeah, yeah. My my dick gets hard yeah. from the wind. <laughs> some good lines man Um, yeah definitely like that stuff um for the type of movie that this is i thought it was actually shot really well like it's not flashy but i think that the movie looks good there's a bunch of scenes at night and they they look good they look great i mean it's it's not michael mann but it's very solid it's very like you know working director kind of stuff um it kind of reminded me a little bit of like dirty harry because I, I'm pretty, like sure. 100% sure, sure that was like filmed in San Francisco too. And it yeah. just kind of reminded me of that. It's just a very yeah. specific, you know, with all the, you know, different hills, you got the trolley car and everything. It's just, it, San Francisco has a very distinct look. And yeah, mm-hmm. it just reminded me of the fucking Clint Eastwood movies. Yeah, I definitely liked uh, a, a lot of the, the, uh, like the, like the cinematography of it. I, it, it's a very, I'm struggling to find the words here. There's a there's a type of movie that my dad likes, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of our dads like. Sure, yeah, yeah. It, you know, this movie has like the perfect level of little bit of action, profanity. You got a pair of tits in there that helps. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like the back and forth thing. It just feels like this movie. It was made in 1982, and, you know, the too-reluctant-partner thing has been done so much since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, fucking Law re- reviewed a Mark Wahlberg movie last week that was, you know, similar. It's like, two guys don't want to be together. They are. they got to figure something out. Yeah. But this movie just, it feels like it was perfectly tuned and, like, made in a lab mm-hmm. for exactly that kind of audience. You know, people who want to sit down, watch something not have to invest any like deep thought into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but just have a good time, be entertained, and walk away knowing that they had a couple laughs, a couple of thrills, and you know, they were in and out in ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. Um it, it, it's it's kind of you gotta respect a movie like this. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I, I think I came away from this without the context of having seen it when it came out without having the context of, of being around for Eddie Murphy's, you know, height of popularity, mm-hmm. but I can respect it on, on the level of, of it just being a well-made cop thriller, I guess. Comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, kind of comedy. A thriller, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's weird because like some of the interior shots, especially at night with, uh, you know, fucking Billy bear and Gans, uh, like mm-hmm. almost seemed like a horror movie in like yeah. during that time. You know what I mean? Like a lot of neon lights coming in through the window, very dark, very moody. Um, sure. So it just adds like another layer of tone to it that I think 
maybe because of the time and or or maybe just because of you know uh, how good of a director like Walter Hill is it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a mess when when you have all those different uh kind of aspects at play yeah yeah um yeah it's I think it's just a testament to to his direction, his ability to like wrangle a set, mm-hmm. get the performances that he needs. That this movie feels very effortless to me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. like you know, there. Yeah, that's. I'm I'm trying to not sound pretentious, but I'm struggling to find the words here. It's like, um, in in the way that the Warriors kind of feels to me. Like the Warriors to me is is just like a. It's like a miracle of a movie, right? It's a chase movie. It's got that like western aspect that a lot yeah. of Hills stuff mm-hmm. does. Yep. It, it it's it's you're following people from A to B to mm-hmm. C all the way until they get home. You've got like opportunity for gangs to show up. You can make them as creative as you want. They can yes. do whatever they want yep. there. I think that Forty Eight Hours is kind of made in a like a similar mold, but in this time it's not like an action escape movie or like gotta get home kind of movie this time it's 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 a detective comedy action film with a you know reluctant uh hero and sidekick they gotta find a way to get through this get along find each other's strengths along the way use them to their advantages and kind of get through it um but it's you know i i don't know if i i could say much more positive about it than that like Mm -hmm. i just think it's it's one of those movies that's like a foundational piece of of a genre of which I've seen this story play out like fifty other times. Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Um, what what, so what are the what are the things that are different that you can like pick apart that you know like this could remind you of th- like say thirty other movies, but like what else is I like think... you know sets it apart specifically. Well, I honestly think a movie like this, it's the central characters, right? Like, yeah. you, you get these, like, okay, they, they can't stand each other, but they got to work together movies. But, you know, th- think about it in terms of this versus Lethal Weapon. So Lethal Weapon takes this format, and it's like, okay, they're both cops, but one's insane, and he experienced tragedy and heartbreak. And the other one is too old for this shit, and he's got a family, and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to risk himself. That creates a nice, you know, dynamic for the two of them to play off one another and throw them into a bunch of different situations and just get get all kinds of comedy gold out of that stuff. Yeah, right? sure, sure. Here you have the dynamic of a, a detective who's definitely a racist who takes a, a gang member out, has to make sure he keeps his eye on him so that the, the guy doesn't get the slip or doesn't get a gun and try and turn it on him or anything else. While at the same time you have the convict who actually has a like code of ethics. Seems mm-hmm. like he's not that bad of a guy. Um, and isn't isn't really interested in trying to escape or you know put one over on on Nick Nolte's character. Mm-hmm. I think that makes for a pretty cool dynamic between the two of them. And you know, obviously, there's like levels of trust that they kind of have to establish throughout the throughout the story <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, to yeah. the the end, right? Yeah, there's um, that early scene where, uh, or they, I think they're coming out of the bar or something like that, and he's like, "Give me the gun." And he's like, oh, you're good, Jack. You saw that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me the gun. Gives him the gun. And he's like, give him the knife. He's like, you saw that too? You're good, Jack. He's like, can I have the gun back? And he gives him the gun back, but he takes out the the, uh, the magazine. Like, just little moments like that I love in uh, in films like this because it's like a begrudging kind of uh, respect 
and a begrud- yeah. begrudging. Like we're getting, even though we don't like each other, we're just we're getting closer because we're going for the same thing. We have the same goal, but right. you know, we're on the two different sides of the, we're on opposite sides of the fence. I I like that they found a good way for like the writer found a good way for the two of them to work together towards that common goal too. Like mm-hmm. I think sometimes these movies can be a little convoluted or you can sort of stretch the I don't know, suspension of disbelief and it's like, eh, would a cop really be okay with this? But I I yeah. buy it in this movie. You know, Me too. and I, Me too, I especially yeah. think by the end you know, when Nolte says to him, he's like, I, you know, uh, what's his name? He offers him the money and he's just like, ah, it's not my style. But, you know, yeah. maybe when you get out, loan me a couple th- a couple grand for a new car. Dude, you know? I, I fucking love that shit. Because it's like, yeah. all right, now we got, like, the full respect. We The right. mission is done, but we're still mm-hmm. dickheads to each other. But mm-hmm. we're still going to be dickheads to each other. But I'm going to show you my respect in a way of like, yeah, make sure it's a blue Cadillac or something like that or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They say, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like that shit, man. But, but, you know, it's it's a, I don't know, subtle little thing. But it, it tells you a lot about the two characters right there. And you can read into it as deeply or as, or as shallowly as you want to. You know, it's just, it's a sign of, I, I think, good writing. It's a mm-hmm. good director, you know, knows that. Those couple of lines will tell you all you need to know, and then you know credits. We can get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I, mean, just I, I leave respect it up to the, the fuck out of that. Yeah, and it, because there's respect for the audience to just like pick up on all that stuff too. You know, it's not fucking right. spoon feeding it to you. Um, I want to yeah, talk about James yeah. Remar for a bit, but uh, how mm-hmm. about that supporting cast? I mean, like the supporting cast of like character actors. You got uh, Mike Ehrman Trout from uh, the 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 fame The Better Call Saul series oh the best show of all time the best show of all time there's the uh the cowboy bartender you've seen Mm -hmm. him in a bunch of stuff he was in they live um what do you call it uh the uh the chief the police chief. (laughs) that dude is hilarious reminds me a lot uh, of uh beverly hills cop uh the chief in that too well he shows up in loaded weapon one and i want to say Last action hero playing the exact same role, just yelling at the fucking mm-hmm. main characters, and he's great at it, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's that moment where he's just so fucking pissed off at uh, Jack and Reggie, and he just comes out and he's like, "And then you bring this mm, in," and he's like, "Right, yeah, that's it." Mm. <laughs> right, right. Like, well, what the fuck? So good. It's so, so good, good, man. It's so uh, good. You got Brian James in there too from uh, Blade yes. Runner. Yep, the, uh, absolutely. That fucking creepy bastard. Oh, so um, I couldn't think of his name, but and, mm. that's what I'm talking about, Brian James. In the third episode of House of the Dragon, did the commentary mm-hmm. with Chad, and I'm, yeah, I'm like the fucking crab feeder, the guy with the mask, looks like somebody, and I couldn't <laughs> think of the fucking name, and I couldn't remember what I saw him in until oh, I okay. watched this, and I'm like, that's the guy. That's All the right. guy that looks yeah, like the yeah. fucking crab feeder. I kind of see that. Yeah. I kind of see it. It's kind of like the, <laughs> the fucking no chin kind of yes. weirdly, almost like uh, when fucking Red Foreman fell, fell into the vat of acid in RoboCop. Yes. You know, just kind of melty yes. face. <laughs> same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah same kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very the, nice. Yeah, cast of characters, man. Very uh, very recognizable. But um, I think... Yeah, I even... I recognized... Um, Oh God! Uh, uh, what's her name? Um, fuck! She was in Star Trek: Next Generation, like the first, maybe the first and second season, and then she kind of pieced out. Um, hmm. 
She was one of Billy Bear's girlfriends, or like the friend of the girlfriend. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The blonde lady. But gotcha. I'd see, yeah, just, so, you know, reinforcing your point, tons of faces in this movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> I actually just did a quick look at uh, James Remar's uh, IMDb. Um, <laughs> just a lifelong, like, fan of this guy, right? Like, ever since yeah. Warriors. That's, you know, watched it way too young you know that was a Mm -hmm. movie came out in 79 i think or maybe 80 and um you know my old man just watched movies that's i mean he was a huge walter hill fan so like i grew up watching all the fucking walter hill movies but uh you know watched warriors way too young and i was just like i fucking love ajax you know he's like the tough guy you know he's got my initials right fucking uh right it's all right there and i was just thinking right now before i looked up at his imdb like, it's just kind of a crime that this guy doesn't have a bigger – I mean, he's a working actor. This guy he yeah. works his ass off, but he just I, – I want him to be bigger than he is, you know? Uh, but I just saw that he's he's uh, he's got a part in Oppenheimer, the, oh, the new Christopher Nolan movie. Oh, fucking so. fantastic, dude. Fantastic. And I don't know how – so he's got – you know, and he's not just like, you know uh, – you know, train guy or something, you know what I mean? Like he's got a fucking actual character name. So I'm hoping it's a pretty big part, but he just like a young James Remar, like looks like the devil. You know what I mean? Like almost Mm -hmm. in a way that like a young Michael Wincott does like the eyebrows, the eyes, like just like that is a perfect villain face. And I know this is a comedy, but he's so fucking terrorizing and antagonizing in this. Yeah, just kind of plays yeah. it perfectly. Yeah, I love James Remar. Um, I have known him since before I really loved movies because <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to love the Mortal Kombat movie. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, when you're a kid, you have no idea what's a good movie or a bad movie. It's just a movie. Yeah. Um, I remember getting the second one and immediately knowing that something was wrong because Raiden was not Christopher Lambert anymore. It was fucking James Remar. Oh, shit. Um, and immediately Raiden goes to some temple and emerges as a completely different looking character. And they say like, oh, why, you know, what, what happened to you? And he literally just says, it's a new look. And then the movie continues. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. They fucking, they addressed it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it, terrible fucking movie, but ever since I was little, I've always known this guy's face. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I've always really liked him. I mean, I, I was not a big fan of Dexter, but I thought he was great as Dexter's father in the first couple seasons. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't even watch that movie. I mean, uh, that show, yeah. so I had no idea. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a big part of that. Um, Is he in the new Dexter? I know. I don't... I watched four seasons of Dexter, and I tapped the fuck out, gotcha. so I have no idea. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he was. But. All right. Um, but, yeah, I I agree with you. He's on the list of people that – actually, I have to modify this statement. I usually say I wish Tarant- he was in a Tarantino movie, but he has been in a Tarantino movie. He, just he was in – Didn't have a big Django. Part. He was in yeah. Django. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, oh, he's got to – the fucking Tarantino's got to use him more. You know Tarantino's like, oh, yeah. god damn it, got this fucking – James Remar guy, you got to put him in something. He's like that. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Though I wish that he had more like tentpole uh, re- releases. You know that you could kind of learn on. Uh, I'm sorry, lean on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, 
and really say like all oh, this these are the great James Remar performances these are, these are the great movies that he's in um but yeah I I like the guy I didn't know he was in this so it was a surprise to me when I saw him I was nice, immediately nice, happy nice. about that you know um yeah I, I you know I just think that this movie at the end of the day for me I think that some of its luster is a little bit lost because I I just live in 2022. You know, yeah. I didn't yep. see this yeah. when when it was new or when I was younger. You know, yeah, um, you take a 40 year old movie. There's going to be a little, you know, a little layer of that kind of gone for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just so many little things. It, it's just tough to forget that you've you've seen them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I can't hold that against the movie completely because again it's it's sort of like uh, this is like the this is like the world's creating event you know you can feel that this is the movie that fifty other movies have tried to be yeah it's like um, the patient zero of the buddy yeah. cop genre exactly Ooh, excuse me yeah exactly so I thought this movie was good um, I. I feel like I'm going to watch it again, but it won't be for a little while because I just I want I want to be a bigger fan of Eddie Murphy, but I just wasn't there. Yeah. Like I've always known Eddie Murphy as the guy who is in tons of shitty family movies for pretty much most of my life. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it's tough for me to get the whole Eddie Murphy's the funniest man on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to, so I think I will watch this again. But uh, nice. But yeah, for now, good background watch. If I'm, I, that's exactly it. That's exactly go. it. Hell yeah. But um, but yeah. So if I'm throwing a rating on this, I'm gonna go six on ten for now. I think there was a lot of good stuff. I think that it's a movie that I'm gonna probably watch the sequel to. Mm-hmm. So that tells you something that I'm I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I feel like over time I'm going to pick up on more of the lines and maybe like maybe use them maybe not (laughs) be careful which ones you use though yeah probably not going (laughs) to mention anything about watermelon around certain company you know they got to pull a curb your enthusiasm yeah um um, dude that's that's fair that's a great rating because like you said you're not there in terms of like Eddie Murphy because he was always like the family guy for you growing up and a, a six is a great rating because it gives you room to up that rating too after various yeah. rewatches. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Big, big, uh, big fan of, of Walter Hill and yeah, nothing about this movie dissuades me from like watching any of his other flicks either. So I, I still, I want to keep going. I want to watch extreme prejudice. I want to see Southern comfort. You know, I want to get through those. So. Yeah. That was actually the other one that I was going to mention is, uh, the, it, you know, extreme prejudice was on your list. And mm-hmm. uh, that's another one that I just grew up watching over and over and over because of the old man or whatever. But uh, yeah, that yeah. is, I mean, talk about like a guy movie, you know, like a fucking machismo masculine movie. It, Extreme Prejudice yeah. is just like, all right, I'm going to get a bunch of dudes from different backgrounds, different like military shady government shit backgrounds for one mission. And it might be yeah. a suicide mission and they're all totally OK with it. It's like, fuck, yeah, let's go, you know. Fucking love it. Yeah, man. exactly. Oh yeah. man, awesome. That's fucking great. Good shit, man. The other thing was uh, about James Remar real quick is uh, the one thing I always remember him from. He was actually he was uh, had a reoccurring part in Sex in the City, and I used to watch that a lot. And um, yeah. I don't know if you ever watched that or you saw him on uh, his his like turn on that, but uh, 
No, no. I, you know, it's weird. I mean, it might have been a rewatchables podcast I was listening to. I think it was. It was the Warriors, and they were talking about the fact that he used to be on Sex in the City. Uh, I, I had no idea. It's one of the. I, I think about this often too because it's just so fucking funny. He's dating Samantha. Samantha is the one. She's the, the older, you know, fucking hoary one, I guess. And uh, what do you call it? Uh, She comes home one day and they live together in this like fucking New York loft or whatever. And she comes home and he's fucking another girl on their bed. And she's Mm. like, what the fuck? And he just turns around. He's butt ass naked. And he leans over and goes, I can explain. (laughs) He's like completely naked. They're all naked and shit. (laughs) It's just like I fucking would love to hear that explanation. I would love to fucking hear it because she just like runs out of the room. I just like I could just picture his face going like look like I can explain I can, I can totally yeah, explain yeah. this it's fucking so good oh man that's great all right let's yeah. uh take a quick piss break and we'll come back with uh, master and commander how about that sounds good sweet is it time to take a piss or what somehow last week didn't do a piss break Connor. Well, it's because Law pissed himself and Garrett barked all over the place. <laughs> what the fuck, man? This is weird. Could be surprised, Boop. If it's not a sit-down piss, we'll have to do Canadian club rules. Not when you have to go number Lost P and to an empty high life That law quote about there's not one single dick in this movie. He sounds so Mm. fucking angry and offended that there's not a dick in a movie. And well, because he is true, true that, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) And I just love that kind of passion, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Some of us look for writing in movies. Some of us look for direction. Some some of us actually love cinematography. We love the way shots are framed and lined up. Some of us really love when they're dicks in the movie. 
I'll I'll say this. So <clears throat> from time to time, I'll text uh, my buddy Bill, and uh, you know maybe I'll get out of a movie he was curious about. He says, "Hey, let me know what you think." Whatever. Yeah. And uh, common question. One of the first questions we'll usually ask it, each other will be, uh, "Yo, they drop dong in this movie or what?" So, you know, just because I want to <laughs> yeah. know. I yeah, just want to fucking know. Yeah. Look, we all have our things. Like I said, you know, they're, they're, we all like movies for different reasons. Some of us just like dongs in movies. So some I, of us do. I but... I support it. You know, I've known law some for a long time. Some of us just want to know. You just want to know sometimes what you're getting into. That's you, really but, all it is. You might not even be a movie fan, but you would right. just like to know that there's dicks in movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to make sure that there's dicks all over, like, uh, in, all over the, the the silver screen. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not saying personally I do, but I'm just saying that I know there's people out there, and some of those people well, I mean, might be Canadian and six like five, bro. You said you do, so you know, whatever. <laughs> it might be a clean drop. <laughs> Might be. So. Damn it. Forgot who was podcasting yeah. with for a second. Okay, let's go to our second film in the docket preview. Again, you can yep. go to, um, just for the people, you can search in the whatever your podcast player is and just search the docket. And these came out in 2021, so they should pull up. Um, and there's, how many were there? So there were four of us, right? So were there like yeah. uh, eight shows total, 10 to- shows total, something like that. Uh, including the teaser 12 12 total uh, we well go. 13 with the teaser right right there you we, go. There we you each go. did three um yeah so that that was uh nice it was a really good time something all of us uh enjoyed but uh and uh something that we're gonna be doing again soon so we're gonna gather up the hosts we're gonna figure out what hosts are gonna be part of the docket and just kind of fucking figure it out from there and figure out movies and a schedule and we'll let everybody know. Yeah. And that might be a Patreon only thing too. So um, make sure you sign up for uh, the full binge on Patreon. Okay. This next movie, Master and Commander. I've been hearing about this movie for years. I remember, I do remember this time period. So it was 2003, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is coming up. I was just a gigantic Gladiator fan. Still am. I mean... 10 on 10. We talked about it on the uh, commentary. Uh, just absolutely love it. And But for some reason, the like the maritime uh, kind of like uh, setting, I wasn't feeling mm-hmm. it. It seemed very stuffy, you know, like from the trailer. Okay. And, yeah. uh, and I kind of had that idea of the movie up until – Maybe a few weeks ago, like I said, when you when you mentioned that it's basically it comes down to a hang movie. And I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. different lens that I'm looking at this in. Can't wait to fucking get in. And it had to be. Within the first half hour, I already started texting you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Can I so just say, like, me, from? Me, let me just say real yeah. quick from the outset. Sorry. Real quick from the outset. No, no. We love. Uh, Maximus Decimus or Meridius. Father to a murdered son, wife to a murdered husband. <laughs> I can't do the Pete bit. Pete does the best bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, like, I just I love a character in a movie who's a leader, and mm-hmm. his his men will literally follow him into hell. Yeah. And I just I that kind of galvanizing like power a leader could have is just so fucking great. And I just love seeing it on screen. And the other thing I thought of Jack was platoon. 
And Platoon's a great movie when you when you think about leadership because you basically have two different types of leaders in that film. Mm-hmm. You have Barnes, mm-hmm. who is um, uh, whatever, uh, Tom Berenger, and he's just a hard-nosed motherfucker, mm-hmm. right? You know, he just runs his fucking crew into the ground. And then you got Elias, played by Willem Dafoe, who is like, you know, he'll sit there and smoke fucking weed with you. He'll sit there and fucking smoke cigs and just, you know, take a load off. Let's, you know, let's talk some shit. You know, he has, he's got a great attitude. And I feel like Captain Jack, Captain Lucky Jack, is more of the latter. He's more of the Elias than he is uh, of the Sergeant Barnes variety. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Um, so before I dive in too much, let me, let me give you a piece of the, uh, theatrical trailer here. Fights like you, Jack. A hunter becomes the hunted. Well then, there's not a moment to lose. Two feet six inches, sir. The men would follow you anywhere. As a friend, I would say that we should have turned back weeks ago. It's leadership they want. Strength. Find that within yourself, and you will earn their respect. All right, so a lot of lot of lot of sounds in that trailer. You got mm-hmm. swords clanging. You got water, water. You got cannon fire. You got fucking Russell Crowe saying some shit. You got Paul Bettany saying some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so let me let me set the table here. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with this film, some of you could be in part because the same summer Pirates of the Caribbean came out and it kind of dominated oh. the uh, the maritime uh, movie going public. Uh, you know, for that that seat that uh, year at least. Yeah, but, yeah. Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, uh, is the story of Captain Lucky Jack Aubrey, a commander in the British Royal Navy. Uh, he has been tasked with hunting down a ship called the Acheron, which is a heavy frigate uh, French privateer ship. Now, this is during the Napoleonic Wars, so the open seas are where you know warfare was happening. And that's that's sort of all the backdrop for this story. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I love about this movie, one of the things I love about this movie is that it, yes, it is a period piece action film, but it sort of strips away all of the details almost immediately. And it frames the movie around three uh, confrontations with this ship. The first of which happening in the opening moments of the film. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, essentially... You get the sense, and I think I said this on our Gladiator commentary, okay? The opening scenes of Gladiator, Maximus is walking amongst the ranks of his men, and, and there is nothing but respect, admiration, and and a, a sheer will to lead men, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite scenes in that film, and I think I said to you when we were doing that commentary that Master and Commander is this scene for two and a half hours. Like, that's what the movie yeah, is. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um I I could say a lot about this movie. Basically, I've been waiting for years to get an excuse to talk about Master and Commander on a podcast. Sure, absolutely. It's uh you know, full cards on the table, 
the older I get, the more I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. Um, it is a technical marvel. If you have a, a great uh, sound system, this is one of the best films that you can test that sound system out on. Uh, oh, nice. It's absolutely phenomenal. 5.1 mix. It does need a better Blu-ray. It does need a 4K release, so hopefully someday <laughs> it'll get it. Um, but I... I could go in a lot of different directions here, but it's an action film, but it's also a film, I think, about friendship. It's a film about uh, camaraderie, and it's it's a hangout movie. So without me going on too much about it, where do you want to start this conversation? Because I could I could go yeah. in a lot of different directions here. Well, it, what, it really what is a hangout. to you about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is a hangout movie, isn't it? I mean, I don't know mm. if I would have... If I watched this on my own, I might have come away with that same kind of takeaway that it was a hang movie, but I don't – I'm not supremely confident that I would have, you know, that that I would have had that takeaway. Um, Sorry. Uh, What do you call it? Um, It's a hang movie in that, like, you want to be on deck. You want to be on this ship. And you want to be surrounded by – I just like their camaraderie, man. Like there's not a lot of infighting, and I enjoy that because I think it's kind of – for this kind of movie, when you're on the open sea and you know that the big bad is around the corner somewhere, Yeah, I don't know if you need a lot of infighting. That, that really will – it doesn't take me out of a movie if I see that kind of thing. It just mm-hmm. adds another layer of stress that I don't appreciate. I don't – Sure. And maybe that's good on the writer's part or good on the director's part, but I just personally don't like that kind of stuff. So okay. it, it it kind of will um, uh, take me out of it a little bit. It, it'll rub, rub me the wrong way for sure. Mm-hmm. The parallels between Maximus and, and Captain Jack are just fucking uh, – they're, they're endless. I mean – yeah. If anything, this is almost uh, – we we don't get a lot of time with Maximus and his troops and all of his men. We get it in that beginning scene that you mentioned. And then right. later on when he has all the different fighters and they're following him, you get a little bit yeah. of that. But you don't get it in the rank and file like you do uh, like in that opening scene, like I said. But Master and Commander is like that from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And you see mm-hmm. how much they revere and respect him. I love when they fucking talk about uh, that other captain um, that's in the books. And mm-hmm. it comes up a couple of different times where people are like, tell me about him. And he's like, you know, and obviously he fucking has a lot of praise for the other captain. How brave right. he was and stuff like that. And I, I just right. love that kind of uh, world building. Because while they all look up to Captain Jack as kind of this, you know, leader of men, Captain Jack looked up to somebody else as the leader of men, too, you know? Right. And that, it just right. kind of like I, – I, I love how that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of thing floats downstream, as it were. Yeah. It, it's – there are a lot of different themes in the movie. I mean, one of them is, is about, like, duty to country but also duty to your fellow man, right? Like – one of the things that I think Russell Crowe does a great job getting across and that the the movies with great leaders in them have in common is 
there's this thing that when I was in scouts, one of my scout masters always used to say, a boss says go, a leader says let's go, right? Mm-hmm. Captain Jack will be in the middle of the fray with his men. Like, he is not going to stand back and command them to do something that he is not jumping into the battle first. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it in Gladiator, you see it in this. I, I love that aspect of it. Um, it. It endears you to his character very quickly when you see something like that, you know? Um, but the other sort of titan of a performance in this movie for me is Paul Bettany as the surgeon, Steven. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm on record. I'm a huge fucking Paul Bettany fan. It has a lot to do with this movie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I fucking love Paul Bettany in this movie. Um, the the Again, the hangout nature of the movie. There's a fucking scene where... Uh, the the two of them are sitting in quarters and they just start riffing on playing a cello and a violin. You oh know? my God. <laughs> and he just sits down and he's like, oh, perhaps something more aggressive. And yeah. I almost texted me? that to you and I'm like, I've already texted him too much and I already said, I'm going to oh stop texting. But that, honestly, like the plot of this movie is what it is. It's a framing device for you to spend two and a half hours on a ship with these guys. You know? yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. So let me let me drop you another clip. Uh, again, this is a scene where Captain Jack, some of the, uh, officers, uh, Steven is there, the surgeon, and Mm -hmm. a few of the conscripted, uh, kids who are learning about naval warfare and, and, you know, the Royal Navy service are sitting around having a few drinks and having a couple of laughs. Do you see those two weevils, Doctor? (laughs) I do. Which would you choose? Neither. There's not a scrap of difference between them. They're the same species of Kerkulio. If you had to choose, if you were forced to make a choice, if there was no other response... Well, then, if you're going to push me... I would choose the right-hand weevil. It has significant advantage in both length and breadth. There, I have you. You're completely dished. Do you not know that in the service, one must always choose the lesser of two weevils? <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't sound like a fucking, you know, live binge cast recording, I don't know what does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can hear people who just be like, oh my god, we're... but fucking, we all love wordplay. And Absolutely. the delivery of the fucking punchline is that yeah. Captain Jack is deadpan setting setting up the punchline. Well, don't you know that? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, that's what... He, if he just came out with, those are two weevils. It's not as funny. It's not as funny. Exactly. It's the fact that he exactly. fucking delivers it deadpan up until the fucking punchline is just fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you um, you mentioned the kids because for me, that's kind of my one of my favorite parts of the film mm, and my favorite okay. aspects of the film is... You could have – take the kids out of this. It's still a great movie. But yeah. it's – like you said, part of part of the theme of, of – or at least one of the themes of, of the film is like teaching your men certain things. But mm-hmm. like the other layer is like now you have like these young kids who are just like – they're go-getters, man. They're ready. They're fucking fully committed to the cause. And, um, right. you know, you – Captain, he doesn't baby them. 
He mm-hmm. does, like he does not baby them when, but when he gives them their, um, when he gives like some kind of like compliment or, uh, gives them shit like their promotions, basically, he does it very, uh, matter of factly. He does it, uh, like very uh, like stoically and objectively. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And but like fatherly kind of right. He, I mean, no, that, no, but he does it right, as a commander, right. like saying like, right. you are promoted. This is that." And they like look up at the, at at Captain Jack because they're like so surprised and so happy. He gives the fucking slightest of smirks, which is like, again, to go back to the platoon thing, Barnes would never give a fucking smirk. Elias right. would though, but he would give right. a smirk uh, because it's such a formal thing. And that little smirk tells him like, no, we're still like, we're still homies, we're still cool, like we're people still, you know? Right. And I right. fucking I love that man. I I love the fucking kid aspect because, um, you know they're they're young, they're you know built up from the floor up. You know it, and we get to see that over the course of like two hours. It's fucking great. Well, man. the 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 story. <coughs> excuse me, sorry, a little something in my throat. Um, the story does a good job of reinforcing the reason that. Captain Jack, like, interacts with them that way. The one kid loses his arm in the first 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind, of, that's kind of a hard scene to watch. I mean, it's all on the kid's face, but they literally give him, like, a piece of shoe leather to bite on, yeah. and they cut his fucking arm off. That is rough. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But but I, I can't remember that, ki- that that character's name, but I like that he has a little bit of an arc there, because after this happens you see him more and more with Steven, you know, yes. out in like Steven has his notebook and he's drawing oh, a different, that, that's uh, the little blonde kid, right? Exactly. Mr. Exactly. Blakeney. There it is. Mr. Blakeney. He's like a fucking but, 11 years old. <laughs> I just right. love that fucking but, Steven and fucking Captain Jack are calling him Mr. It's very formal. Yes. It's awesome. So good. So yeah. good. Yeah. But it gives him – it also shows that and, – and again, another aspect of the movie that I really love is mm-hmm. it kind of shows all the levels of maintaining this ship on the high seas and what they have to do to keep it going. And I like that even though you know, he's a member of the British Royal Navy and he's being groomed to be an officer, his arm gets cut off, but there's still a place for him. You know, there's, there's still a place for him, yeah. There's still a duty to serve. He's willing to do it. He doesn't – kind of sit around and you know rest on okay i have no arm i can't do anything like he still moves forward for the out of service to his fellow man and his country you know it's very very cool very cool aspect of the story um i mean i could get i could rattle off like so many different quotes from this movie uh so many little good things you know like like there's a lot of that hangout aspect the conversation Mm -hmm. between jack and steven you know, Steven says, like, uh, you know, he's like, I fear you have burdened me with a debt I can never fully mm-hmm. repay. And he's like, name a shrub after me. Something prickly and hard to eradicate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking great. You know? Dude, I, yeah, I mean, um, I didn't, I guess I didn't expect them to, like, show up on the Galapagos Islands. Right. And uh, right. especially, like, during that time period, it's such a, like, that's fertile ground that uh, Steven just has, like, the biggest scientist boner. Like, when he shows up there, like, he's just fucking out of yes. his mind. Yes. It's so, so good, man. 
you are alluding to my favorite moment in this movie. And honestly, there's it would I would just be playing music, so there's no point in clipping it. But okay. there's a moment. So the, the the whole thing is that Stephen is dying to explore this island to be able to see a sort a, a specific type of flightless cormorant. Okay, mm-hmm. that he thinks lives on the island, and if he were to find it, it would be a discovery. Like he would be the first person to find it. He would have rights to naming it. And, you know, this is what his whole life's uh, purpose is about, right? Mm-hmm. So you see him traveling uh, along with Mr. Was it Mr. Blythe? Is that his name? Mr. Blythe? Um, and they have a couple of cages. They're finding, like, little pill bugs and a couple other animals yeah, that they're going to yeah. take back to study. And there is this fucking phenomenal rack focus. So I, I'm going to put this scene on the level of, like, the portals scene in Endgame uh mad max witness me like mm-hmm. you know those scenes in movies where you just get fucking hyped and you just kind of you move forward in your chair and you're like let's fucking go right yeah, now yeah, right yeah, yeah. <sighs> steven finds this particular bug i for the life of me i can't remember if it's a fucking beetle i think or it's a, a beetle bug or something yeah i think it's a beetle he had he has it in his hands and this is the goal that he's been working towards and he has it he looks, the bug flies off, and it rack focuses to the Acheron. And the Acheron doesn't know that they're there. The yes, yes, Moves yes, it yes. on Paul Bettany, and the fucking fiddle starts playing. What and a... you see one of the greatest acting performances of all time. He literally looks at the ship. He knows what it means. Mm-hmm. He looks down. He gives this reluctant sigh. And then he says, Okay. And he goes back to the ship, and they finally get the upper hand on the Acheron, and it starts the the climax. There was no like it panicking is. or anything. It was just no. like a like a reservation of like, well, I know what's more important. Exactly. Like this this is, is this is the fucking uh, you know this is the fucking uh, the golden chalice right here. You know. Yes. This is yes. the fucking Ark of the Covenant. This is what we've been. This is what I've been – my life's work has been leading up to this moment where I find this undiscovered thing and I get to name it. Right. Fuck. God damn it. Right. I can't. I, and, I know I can't. And it's it, it's so good because the writing has indicated that the reason that they got time on this island is mm-hmm. because Captain Jack said, you know what? No. Yes. My friend yes. wants to see this. Absolutely. So let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. And how does he repay him? He sees the ship and immediately says, hey – we gotta go yeah. now. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this scene. I think it's one of the best scenes of all time. I really do. It, it's it's fucking awesome. It's and it's such a fucking great reveal, man. It's such a difficult. Again, I feel like it's funny that we're doing a docket for this because I had a conversation with Law all about Amadeus, and I feel a, a lot of the same things for Amadeus that I do for this movie. That I, I feel like it's a movie that. Is it has a shitty trailer, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people have preconceived notions of what it is, but if you finally watch it, it is such a more badass story and and like a cooler story mm-hmm. than you would think it would be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, I I love that scene. Um. I love that whole situation. It's it, it gets to the point where sometimes I'll be sitting in front of my TV at like one a.m. I'll be drunk as fuck or high as as balls, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I will just start going through my uh, streaming services to find all the best scenes from movies. 
I, dude, like half the time I will go to that scene and just like film it and then send it to one of my friends of just me freaking out during that scene. It's the yeah, best shit. It, it also kind of like talks about uh, or speaks to your, your idea of like themes in the in the film and mm-hmm. Steven's higher calling of duty above his mm-hmm. own like personal ambition of finding right. something that he can name, you know? It's still right. like, well, there's still the fucking job. There's still exactly. the fucking objective. And I dude exactly. and everybody puts you know, the 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 ship, their mission above everything else. Yeah. And it's yeah. not douchey though, you know? Like it's it right. really that camaraderie again is so like undeniably strong throughout this film that you feel part of the crew and you want to be part of the yeah. crew. And I think that's such a great testament to, uh, to Peter Weir's, um, filmmaking and his direction. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned Peter Weir. So one of the more underrated directors, um, you know, you've got this, the Truman show, dead poet society, mosquito coast, <sighs> Jesus. witness, Gallipoli, Picnic at Hanging Rock. I mean, he, he's he got a couple others in there, but an incredibly solid director who's made, I would argue, three bona fide classics, um, which is more than you can say for a lot of directors out there. Yeah. Um, very underrated. I, I wish he was making something now, because I would, I would love to see another Peter Weir movie. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really, really solid. Um just another quote I got to throw out there. Uh, so during the second attack of the Acheron, mm-hmm. uh, Captain Jack, he's like, this is the second time he's done this to me. There will not be a third. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. yes, dude. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I have another clip for you as well. Let me let me play this up. This is, uh, this is right before the finale. Um, yeah, it just it doesn't get better than this. All right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. (laughs) And we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side. (laughs) I love that shit, dude. Fucking leader of men right there. I love uh, quick is the word, sharps mm-hmm. the action, the fucking best. Oh, when he's getting the measure of things after the, uh, or like during the finale, he, during the finale, and he's like, "Did they strike their colors?" And I, was, I, I just love that. Like, yes. If they didn't, I'm gonna go fuck them up. You know, like keep hitting them if they haven't struck their colors yet. You know. Yeah, I'll make yeah. them do it. That's fucking. Oh, that's so good, man. So good. It, it, 
I, I can't remember the exact wording, but there's another quote in there. And I keep bringing up quotes because I think that the script is so strong. It just it reveals so much character about any, like anybody who's speaking these words. Yeah. Um, but there's one in particular where he has like a little bit of, not regret, but like, you know, why, basically like, why is this man hunting me? Did I do something to his, have I, have I wronged him mm-hmm. for God's sake is his son? Like, did I, you know, like he has some like knowledge of the respect of battle and all that. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, other, a, any other things that the movie was uh, surprising for you or anything else you want to call out before we uh, start throwing a rating down on this? Um, let's see. I don't think so. I think we kind of nailed it. Um, yeah. I'm just looking at the uh, Wikipedia right here, and to your point, again, it says in June 2021, it was reported that the second film is in development by 20th Century Studios, a prequel mm-hmm. based on the first novel only, with uh, mm-hmm. somebody writing the script. Yeah. Um, I... This is such a lightning in a bottle kind of movie for me mm. that I don't think I care about the story. Like I, when I watch this movie, I don't give a shit about the story at all. You, um, yeah, British versus or um, England versus France. That's yeah, that's that's good enough plot for me. I think. Yeah, like it's 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 a chase movie, um, but even that is like it's just secondary. This movie's just it's a great hang movie. I, if if it's not Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany, I don't think I give a fuck. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I, now there is like a sliding doors possibility with this movie where, back in the day, had it done well in the box office, this is a series of books, mm-hmm. and I think uh, Fox was was hoping that this would be something so that they could spin it off into, uh, you know, some of the other some of the other stories. But yeah, yeah. it just it, it got completely eclipsed by Pirates. Um, you know, it's just bad timing. It, it did get nominated for Oscars. It might have even won some of the technical Oscars, but it just, yeah, it, it's it's not a movie that gets uh, a whole lot of respect, like I was yeah. saying at the top here. Mm-hmm. But. Nominated for 10 Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director, and it won Best Cinematography and Best Sound Editing. But yeah. it says, uh, <laughs> but the rest of the categories were swept by The Return of the King. Yeah, that's just you know, unfortunate timing. Absolutely. So. But, uh, but yeah, so I've said my piece. I could say a lot more. Um, I will always be down to do a commentary for this in the future should for anybody sure. want to. Definitely. But uh, what's, what, do you, uh, what do you give this for a rating? Oh, man. First time watch. Kind of an epic story, but also very grounded, just like in the characters and the dialogue. And I think a lot of it, like you said, it just comes down to writing. It's just a fucking great script. Very, right. very quotable. Um. And uh, the performances are great. Again, like we talked about James Remar kind of being an underrated actor, wanting to do bigger things. And I kind of feel the same way about Bettany. I mean, this might be like the best thing I've seen him in, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, not to mention, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, Beautiful Mind. Great fucking. Right. Great movie. And uh, just great role by him, too. Right. Um, <clears throat> again, like I fucking the kid aspect is great because you know the the mentor mentee relationship is always very interesting to me i find that thing kind of uh cool mm-hmm. uh especially when the stakes are so high you know in this yeah. in this film 
And like they're not treated as kids. They're just treated as another deckhand, another person right. that's in the ranks. They're not, you know, they're given special treatment. They don't, you know, maybe some, Steven and, and Jack are maybe a little nicer to them than they would be the other mm-hmm. guys. But then you look at it, they're fucking just like nice to and great to everybody. So um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an eight. We got a strong eight right out of the gate. So nice. first time watch, maybe that goes up in subsequent viewings, but uh, right now it's an eight. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Yeah, that's, uh, that's very fair. I mean, for me, it's like threatening a 10 every time I watch it now. So it's, it's just a favorite. I, uh, I strongly recommend it to everybody. It's just, you know what, if you, even if you think it's not your kind of movie, I I think it actually might be like, it's worth it's worth a shot. So, you know, make of that what you will. But, uh, Absolutely. yeah. So there's your, there's your docket preview. You're docket welcome. preview. Season two coming up soon. Going to figure out these hosts. Going to figure out the movies. Figure out a schedule and let everybody know. And uh, like I said, it'll probably be on Patreon. So uh, make sure you sign up for that. Five bucks a month. Patreon.com slash binge media. Jack, tell me about Clerks 3. You gave us a preview. Told us. Everything except for what actually is going on in Clerks Three. Um, sure. Where do you want to start as far as that goes? All right, so I'll give you I'll give you a quick rundown. Okay, so synopsis. All right, uh, Randall and Dante are back at the Quick Stop. Uh, they're working there. They now own the Quick Stop. They own the RST Video next door, which is now a weed shop because, of course, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. It, it isn't really addressed in the movie if they own or if, I don't know, but it seems like Jane Silent Bob work there now. So, you know, they, they stand outside the store, but they also like actually operate the place as a weed shop. Um, and you know, first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie, they're, they're doing their usual conversation bullshit and Randall has a heart attack and take him to the hospital. Turns out he has what was known as a, uh, widow maker, uh, artery clog, which 80% of people who get it die. Um, this is exactly what Kevin Smith himself went through. So, you know, the whole him literally just writing his life, this is uh, this is another movie of him doing that. Um, and the story goes from there. Randall kind of realizes that he his life probably wasn't worth saving and that he should do something, and he realizes that maybe he should be the guy that makes movies. So he wants to make a movie of his life, and he's going to make a movie called you know, convenience store or something like that. And it'll just be shot at the quick stop. So it's, if it sounds meta and familiar, it's because it all is, it is literally Kevin Smith making a movie with his characters about Kevin Smith making clerks. Um, and that it's Kevin Smith movies are (laughs) Kevin Smith movies. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be technically complicated. There's going to be a level of cheese. Okay. But every once in a while, Kevin Smith movies are, 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 are interesting. You know, it's, they can make you laugh in a sort of like, Oh, okay. They're old stoners or, you know, there's a little bit of wordplay here or this reference to this character and that thing happened over there and all that shit. Um, but I actually think that for the first time in a long time, Kevin Smith is making a movie and he actually has something to say about, uh, about like being creative and being a filmmaker. Like I actually was pretty, taken with this movie um 
I think that if I didn't see a trailer before I watched this, I think if you watch the trailer, you know, you'll go one way or the other. Like, it's still a Kevin Smith movie, so you got to deal with the the self-referential stuff. But I was actually kind of impressed with what he does in this movie. Um, I think he, uh, again, um, talking around the main crux of things. There are some surprising character things in this movie that I, I he, he establishes right up front and mm-hmm. I didn't think I would see in this. Um, I think that with, with his stuff, you can kind of write the movie in your head, right? Like yeah, if you yeah, figure yeah. out that he Randall's making a movie that is essentially a remake of Clerks and that you're going to see the movie that is about the making of Clerks inside of a Clerks movie, then like there are certain details from Clerks that you know are going to come back. And mm-hmm. then certain characters may have certain opinions about having their personal life put out there in movie form. So like, uh, one thing follows another, okay? There's nothing, like, groundbreaking about the structure of this movie. But I will say, by the end, I thought that this was one of the better creative uh, efforts that Kevin Smith has, has made in a long time. Um, outside outside sense... of the non universe stuff he's done? Or just, like, within the view universe? It's definitely the best universe movie that he's made since Clerks 2. Okay. That's easily. Um, I think that if you were to take all three of the Clerks movies in his filmography, it probably now represents his best films. I think. Um, because there is a nice arc by the end of this that okay. I didn't, I didn't realize he was going to do. And I think it's, I think it's pretty good. I think it's, I think it's better than a lot of what he's made in the past 10 years. Put it that way. Ever mm-hmm. since Clerks 2, this is probably the best thing he's made. Um, now, you know, all that being said, uh, we were talking about it at the top. I'm not, it's going to be very difficult for me to not like Kevin Smith. I mean, unless sure. it turns out that he's some kind of sex pest and, you know, uh, he, he he did some bad shit back in the day. I, you know, I know he's cheesy. I I understand all that. I just can't fucking quit being a fan of the guy. I, I don't know why. I don't even like most of what he does anymore. <laughs> um, but I, I just there's something about it, such an aggressively positive dude in this uh, space that just works for me. So, you know, okay, uh, that that helps. I will also say that I don't think that a movie like this is going to play as well unless you're in the room with him watching it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that there's an aspect of it where you're in a room and you're going to see cameos and when they pop up, you're amongst an audience that are going to like hoot and holler and, you know, the people who pop up, you're going to be like, I know that fucking guy, that's awesome. And, you know, you'll have characters that, you know, not not to spoil any of the, the cameos, but you have a character who is in Star Wars, who is making references to Star Wars. You know, there's stuff like that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so what, What? Uh, you have any questions about it? Or? Yeah, I guess that my biggest question right now, uh, after you explained everything, is could he... So you mentioned that, you know, it, it seems like Clerks 3, he actually has something to say, maybe for the first time in a long time with his film. And uh, yes. I just wonder if maybe could this 
he survived the uh, Widowmaker. I mean, that is, like you said, what was it, like 80% fucking die from it or something like that? You know? Um, yeah. So, obviously, he would probably want to talk about it as a writer, as a director. Mm-hmm. He's going to want to process it internally and then yeah. have some output uh, creatively. And I get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it have to be in a clerk sequel? Could he still talk about those same things, have the same concepts, have the same themes, and have the same message that he wants to get across outside of the confines of the quick stop? I think in this case, no. Because part of what makes the story have meaning by the end of this is the history with these characters. Um, there's a there's an aspect to, you know, you, you make uh, all these different stories with this whole universe of characters and you can draw references and you can, you can do things that you couldn't do if you had to start from scratch and make a new story with new characters. Um, so I think that this, I think this had to be a clerk's movie based on how it goes. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a better filmmaker would have found a, a, a more, um, nuanced way to get to the same point, essentially. Um, but Kevin Smith's not that guy. He's never going to be that guy. And uh, uh, is it still just a... Um, do you think a lot of the motivation to, or the aim, is because he's doing these roadshows and he's, you know... Uh, I don't know if he's self Is he self-financing a lot of this, or... You know, I I gotta find that out because I wasn't sure if it was self financed or it's just that he's producing and he's getting the money together. I, gotcha. I don't know which yeah, one yeah. it is, but mm-hmm. I I know that he's he's managing all of it though. Like it's all View Askew Pictures now. It, there's no other like middleman. Lionsgate just does the distribution for him now. Gotcha, so. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. So back to my question. I get. I guess I'm trying to wonder if. Uh, you know, I guess this could only exist if he does kind of take on the producing role in terms of, like, gaining the financing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the questions I thought about asking him, and I couldn't find the right way to word it, so I didn't even bother. But I wanted to ask him, like, what, he, how he feels about the fact that he now he's he's in charge of everything right like he's getting the funding for his movie he's writing it he's directing it he's casting it he's editing it um he he's doing everything on the film and then he's taking it out on a road show where only the people who want to see his movie are going to be in that room i wonder how he feels creatively about that whether yeah, or not I, he's I, now painted himself into a corner forever I guess that's that. kind of like the heart of what i was trying to get at yeah yeah um is it just a comfort thing of like knowing that you have a captive audience built-in audience already and look he built the audience himself based correct. on his film so like i'm not correct. knocking him for that he 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 built the audience he cultivated the audience and he's fed them uh, stuff that they would want because they're just fucking diehard fans. And I like, I don't hate the guy for that. I don't hate him at all. Um, exactly. I just kind of criticize it a little bit. Um, 
but I, I totally get it. I, you know, I might do the same well, thing. It, it's interesting to like take yourself almost outside of criticism. Like, is that a good thing for an artist? I don't think you know? so, man. And I guess that's my yeah. biggest issue with it is like, well, exactly. how do you even grow at that point? Can you, can you exactly. even grow if you're just, people are just going to fucking eat whatever you give them? Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder about that creative aspect too. This is the biggest thing. This is the biggest problem I have with Kevin Smith because I feel like I qualify it every time. And I, I always say, sure. like, look, I, I can't explain it to you. I can't justify it to you. And I, I would not say that, like, anything he's made past Clerks 2, outs, well, was Red State after Clerks 2? It yeah, was. It yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Anything he's made past Red State, I don't think is, like, creatively interesting to me. I don't think that he's necessarily a filmmaker anymore. He's more, it's almost like if Joe Rogan made a movie. Like, he's a podcaster now to me who mm-hmm. has, like, opened me up to a lot of interesting stuff. I kind of keep up with what he's doing for the most part. And it sort of is like revisiting an old friend more than it is going to see a movie. Absolutely. Like, the other movie that we're going to talk about is just such a diametrically different experience because you go to that, you, anybody, any movie, you go to a movie, you pay your 14 bucks to get in, you sit down, and it's literally you and the movie and whoever you came with, mm-hmm. and hopefully it goes well, right? With a Kevin Smith movie, I always want to go to the road show because I kind of want to be in a room that's hyped up, that energy, that excitement, that even if the jokes are cheesy, everybody in the room's laughing at him, and, and you kind of just yeah, realize... Yeah, absolutely. I, I get you that. Know, you, yeah, like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, that's an easy punchline, but you know what? Uh, I fucking like this guy. Like, sure. I, I don't have a problem with that, you know? Absolutely. Um yeah. But, I understand others who fucking hate him since yoga hosers and swear off everything he does. I get it, you know? That shit sucks. Mm-hmm. But it's just not... I'm, I'm not after the same thing in a Kevin Smith movie that I am with, like, almost any other filmmaker now. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still haven't seen uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And mm-hmm. I mentioned it, actually, on, uh, on uh, the full binge, the Ben Affleck movie Ooh. tournament. Interesting. Um, I just I love so. You said uh, from Clerks two on, uh, with the exception being Red State. It's just kind of they're all misses, right? I, I didn't I like Tusk, but I'm not going to bat for. No, it. I hear that. I hear that. But like I'm, I don't. I didn't even like Clerks two. Like I feel like I'm in the minority. Like I don't like yeah. Clerks two. And so for me, his last <laughs> great movie outside of Red State uh, is. 2001 Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Like, I fucking love that movie. And part of the reason why I don't want to watch the reboot is I feel like it's going to fuck with my love for Strike Back. Because, Mm. um, again, maybe I should just watch it because I feel like it's going to be like a lot of shoehorned Skewniverse references. And basically, that's what Strike Back is anyway. So, like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. But, um, right, right, right. I, I just I just love that movie fucking so much. And it's not a perfect movie, but it is. No. And, and I guess for me, I thought that was going to be his last Universe movie. And mm-hmm. I was like, what a fucking great swan song for the Universe movie. Now he's going to go move on. And like even for Jersey Girl, I, like I was into it because it had a lot to do with, again, just being like a um, feeling like 
like he's like a buddy of yours. So like he had yeah. a, a a lot to do with um or that movie had a lot to do with like him having a daughter and like stuff with his dad and like all that shit and you know it's Carlin um being a big part of that film and seeing him right. in a different you know in a dramatic kind of acting role was like cool not a great movie but i was still just kind of like oh this is great this is the departure this is awesome i thought he was going to be that he was going to either level up or just take his career in a different direction and after right. jersey girl you get the announcement for clerks 2 and i'm just like oh, really and then i watched it and i'm just like really i again yeah. i feel like i'm in the minority but at the same time um you know, you mentioned how you feel like you have to qualify a lot of, uh, you know, whatever, any Kevin Smith discussion, you feel like you have to qualify like, oh, you know, love them first, blah, 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 you know, and I just feel like, right. you know, we're homies and I just want to support the guy. And I feel the same way, but I feel like all of us do that in a way. All of us Kevin Smith fans do that in a way of, yeah. well, these aren't the greatest movies, but I want to support them. And it's like. Again, I think even if you were able to word the question about creativity in a way that you felt comfortable asking, I don't think it would have been received well. Just because Correct. you're on, you, you are you're in the wrong room. You're you're in home court, and you're right. basically asking almost an enemy kind of question. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That was that was the other half of the reason why I didn't I didn't ask it. But yeah, I mean it's it's a thing that I I kind of struggle with all the time with with Smith stuff. I don't know I don't know what the right answer is. Like you create sure. your audience and then, mm-hmm. and now you literally just you make movies for that audience and really nobody else, but you're putting up all the money, you're putting in all the effort and you found a way to sustain your lifestyle doing that. It's I don't know. It's like the Tony Robbins of, of filmmaking or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing that I can't wrap my head around, but yeah, it, but it, it, it is. It is almost like, um, you know, like the binge verse too is you know, it, obviously on a much smaller level, but like, we like to put out stuff that we like and that right. we know that our audience and our listenership is going to like, right. and it's not for everybody. You know, we're not fucking super polished. We say fuck every other fucking word. You know what I mean? Like, we're not, you know, you. the production's going to be solid. <laughs> uh, but it, the, the the innards are going to be a little raw just because that's yeah. how we are and that's how we like it. That's our style. But and our listenership likes that. Um, so right. it's kind of hard. It's not hard, but like when something's working, you don't think nothing's not working there's nothing to fix if it's working. You know what I'm saying? But he can't be ignorant of, and he's talked about it before and he's super sensitive. So like he's talked about the backlash and all that stuff, but he still continues to do this because is it a comfort level? You know, is, is he just okay comfortably doing these kind of movies for his audience? Mm -hmm. Um, and that, but, on the other hand, like I do respect that you do have that audience and that you don't have to fucking go outside of it because you have a captive audience and they'll show up every time and they'll fucking sell right. out theaters when you take your new movie on the well, road. 
he he said even at the end of the movie, he's like, look, the only reason that Clerks 3 got the funding that it did as quickly as it did is because you all went out and bought the DVDs and Blu-rays for Jane Silent Bob Reboot, nice. and then Lionsgate said, hey, can you make this for under X amount of money? Right, so I guess right. actually Lionsgate did fund this movie, now that I think about it, because he <laughs> said that at the end of it, that they put the money up for it. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's, it, like literally, his his audience supports him, so... He's good, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like we could talk about this all night. It's just it's such a weird, crazy situation. But that all being said, okay, I liked this movie. I think that it's getting back to what was interesting about Kevin Smith as a as a writer and, and as a storyteller. Um, I think he makes some, some pretty cool choices. Uh, I think that the story is worth making. I think to answer your question previously about the clerks thing, I, I do think this particular story had to be a clerk's story. Yeah. Um, and I think in some ways it may actually cause him to go back and, and like write meaningful stuff again about his generation he's in a different place in life now than he was when he wrote clerks obviously sure yeah, but yeah. i think this movie does prove that you know get through the weed jokes get through the cheesiness he does still have some interesting things to say as a storyteller um and i was i was happy to see that you know it, it was he kind of said at the beginning of the screening he's like i know i was here three years ago to you know show off reboot well i'm glad you all came back because Tonight I'm showing you a real fucking movie instead of that, you know. So I think he has some awareness that that was, you know, was what it was. Yeah, but, but. it's just like, be confident about the fucking reboot. It, 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 hearing that yeah, makes I me, mean. like, part of me wants to watch reboot because uh, obviously, like, you know, you went to go see it. No, tons of other people that went to go see it. You know, Law saw it, you know. And... You know, again, qualifying the Smith thing is like, yeah, it's a lot of in reference, but it, you know, <laughs> you go to the whole fucking thing. But um, you know, just hearing that is like you don't. Ha- then you just made an inferior product, but you're only saying this now, three years later, because it's all yeah. the ca- the fucking checks have been cashed. And I'm not saying he's doing it for money, but you do have to make a living. Correct. So you're just leaning on your fan base. And then three years later, just being like, no, this is a real movie because Reboot wasn't. It's like, come on, man. You don't have to fucking, like, trash your own shit in order to hype up your new shit. Because what are you going to do in 2025 when you make uh, your new fucking Askew Universe? Or even if it's not right. Askew Universe, you'd be like, yeah, Clerks 3 was a piece of shit. This is actually really good. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Fucking drives me nuts. Yeah. I, I, again, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is with Kevin Smith's shit. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's a fucking whirlwind of like, is this a movie? Is this not a movie? Yeah. I don't know. Here's what I can tell you. I had a really good time at the screening and I thought that the movie was solid. Yeah. If I'm throwing a rating on it, it's, it's a, it's a solid seven, which is much higher than a lot of the movies that he's made. True. I would say since, since red state. True. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it, it shows that he's willing to, get back to some some relatively strong like ideas you know maybe the writing needs a little more polish maybe get rid of some of the cheesiness stuff but like he still has good ideas and i think that's pretty promising for what he might be making next so yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. good 
you know, let, let's let's see where it goes. Um, and I think that there's an aspect of this movie too mm-hmm. that maybe finally kind of exercises the 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 need to like make more viewisk universe specific stuff mm-hmm. I, I definitely think there will be more jane silent bob but maybe you could just make that as as its own thing and like not go back to the well as much as he does with this movie yeah know? yeah gotcha uh, all right so strong we'll seven strong seven for you yeah uh i'm gonna give it a four okay let's go to our there final theatrical film that we want to talk about this week and right. um you know, some of the listeners might have heard me and Chad talk about this film on the last binge views. He reviewed, um, what is that? A honk for Jesus. And also okay. the newest one, Barbarian. Mm-hmm. I actually got out to see this um, last Thursday. Right, and nice. uh, yes, it was a nice little theater trip for me. Half hour fucking worth of goddamn trailers, whatever. Oh, talk- so many trailers. <laughs> Dude, talk- talk- we talked about that ad nauseum on that. On uh, mm. binge views, but um, okay. So Barbarian, I kind of reserved a lot of my feelings for that and a rating for okay. that. Um, I did do a binge views rating. Now, as you know, mm-hmm. on binge views, we do skip it, see it, stream it. Uh, so I okay. did give my review on binge views uh, on the binge views scale, uh, but didn't really get into detail of my overall thoughts of the movie. And uh, up to you. But on binge views, we basically talked about how this movie is better, almost left unsaid. Sure. Uh, like the less you know about it, the better in a lot of ways. So we sure. did talk about everything that happens in the trailer. The poster, mm-hmm. you can see the stairs going down. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I, dude, we got very specific. Right. We got very specific yep. in our parameters. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I I talked about it on the binge views. Why don't you uh, kind of take the lead as far as that goes? Because people are sick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so barbarian. Uh, our main character. Her name's Tess. Uh, she's arrived at this house. You find out it's in Detroit. Um, it's an Airbnb kind of thing. She shows up, puts the code in the key, uh, the lockbox key isn't there. She knocks on the door a couple of times. Somebody's in the house, comes to the door, turns out to be Bill Skarsgård, who is Pennywise. He is playing a character named Keith, I think. Keith? Keith, um, yeah. I, I Honestly, I thought it was a fucking kid from Boyhood. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Boyhood guy's in this. Nice. With his fucking offbeat clapping or whatever the fuck that was from. <laughs> Dude, I thought about that the whole time, yes. Jesus. So, um, the two of them have a conversation. It seems like the house was double booked. Um, she, you know, he, he kind of lets her come inside to make some calls, figure things out. And, you know, uh, hmm. you don't really know what this is up with this guy. Um, and then the story kind of just goes from there. Uh, at some point, there's uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do we want to do we want to do spoiler review? Do we want to throw down a rating and then just do spoiler review? Um, that might be. I think we have to because we can't say anything about this movie. Yeah, that might be best. And you know, like talking around it, I've already done that for a half hour, and yeah, there's it's no really point. annoying to think about how I can talk around this again. So yeah. <laughs> give me a second. Let me find the, uh, 
Let's yeah. find the spoiler alert now. We're going to start. Um, other yeah, other details to throw down now. Um, it's directed and written by Zach Kreger, who's a member of the Whitest Kids You Know. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my brothers is very active in that group's uh, Discord community. And he actually knows this guy. So he had been oh, anticipating okay. this movie before I was. Oh, um, sick. But I know that this is this is like a, you know, kind of came out of nowhere sort of... Uh, movie um really really just making sure i don't say anything here (laughs) Um, yeah no no i hear you i hear you um so let's go with a rating before we start the spoiler sounder i gave it a stream it on binge views and a very specific reasons for that and i'll just say this i am not a this is not my genre i'm not a horror genre guy i find a lot of the choices in this movie fucking stupid and it's the reason why i hate the fucking genre because uh it's something that my wife and i fucking talk about all the time the reason why she doesn't like fucking horror movies uh stupid girl there's always dumb dumb stupid girl who does dumb dumb stupid girl things and makes dumb dumb stupid girl choices uh we'll get into more detail of how that kind of how how uh the director kind of like course corrected because I do appreciate that, but we'll get into mm-hmm. it on the other side with the uh, spoiler review. Um, but I'm gonna give this, I'm gonna give this a seven. I'll give it, I'll, I'll still give it a soft seven, and um, okay. a lot of that has to do with atmosphere, claustrophobia, and uh, uh, let's see. I, the look of the film, I, I just I really, really dug too. So, um, and it okay. kind of nails the landing for me, and I, I fucking okay. I dug that. So, nice. Um, yeah. Again, being very reserved here, uh, I really dug the atmosphere that you alluded to. Um, I dug the uh, performances. I would say across the board for me worked pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked the fact that this is a movie that when I went into it, I knew nothing and I still felt that way almost all the way to the end, which was kind of cool. Um, it's, it's very well directed in that respect. Uh, there's a, there's a, the same way that we're withholding information. Now there's a withholding of information in the movie that I think is, is pretty good too. Um, even at times where it's, you know, filmmakers, it's time to reveal something. I think they do a good job of not telling you exactly what something is. There's actually like some room for you to fill in the blanks. That's the mark of some good storytelling in my Agreed, opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, without saying anything else, I-, I go in eight. I had a very good time watching this. I'm actually looking forward to watching it again. So, okay. We are going to play, a spoiler alert siren. It's going to start out loud. Then I'm going to pot it down. And then we're going to talk about in detail, in spoilerific fashion, about Barbarian. Here we go. Spoiler alert. 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 So, when I got home from the movie, my wife was home. 
And I was like, good thing you didn't go see this because it was scary. And I mentioned this on Binge Views, but it doesn't matter what movie I'm asking her to see. If I say, do you want to watch, you know, X and Y and Z movie? Her first question is always, is it scary? And it's just such a fucking broad, like, follow-up question. Uh, Answering a question with a question. (laughs) um, Yeah. That it's, I I don't know. Like, everything is scary to her, so it's just fucking bizarre. So I wound up giving her a a beat-by-beat, scene-by-scene rundown of the film. And she, like, she doesn't care if it's spoiled or anything like that. Yeah. So this uh, spoiler siren would, would do fucking jack shit for her. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> she's she's a good fuck. Um, and what I realized while going through the film beat by beat is that I really appreciated uh, how the filmmakers, or I guess the director and writer, kind of answered a lot of the questions that somebody like my wife would have. And by that, okay. I mean, okay, so uh, how how was it possible that two people booked this room or booked this Airbnb? It's like, well, it's from yeah. different services. Well, why didn't they call? Well, they did call, and it, they wound up cross-referencing the phone number to call, and it was the same phone number. So I do appreciate, like, on the one hand, that there, you know, there is stupid dumb girl who makes stupid dumb girl decisions in the film. Well, well, just to just to add to that before you say your piece, yeah. When Justin Long gets into the story, you also realize that he's the kind of like dis- disconnected asshole. Oh yeah, who yeah, probably yeah. would have just listed it on multiple services sure. and not like managed that. So I liked that. Absolutely, little details like that were justified later. So, the little details. No, 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 no. The details like that do matter though, because yeah, it, it's again like it's to my point that uh, I thought that was great on the filmmaker's part to kind of answered those questions yeah. like almost immediately as the action is happening. Um, I, I just, I, I, I really fucking appreciated that aspect of it because it was, it was just a very, it was a level above just stupid girl making dumb decisions. Now, yeah, for sure for me up until I, dude, I fucking, it, it's so weird because like up until Keith bites it in one of the, like the most graphic and fantastic kill scenes, <laughs> fucking so love good. it, dude. Up until then, I was so fucking annoyed. I can't yeah. like, I'm not gonna walk out of a movie. It's, it's gonna take a lot for me to walk out of a movie, so I wasn't gonna walk out. But I was just like, I was really like, this is killing my high right now, kind of shit. Like, I'm really okay. fucking annoyed. Okay. And I do like the change right after that scene going to Justin Long because it's like, all right, this is kind of a reset. I think I know where this is going. I'm notoriously bad with guessing where things are going. But I'm like, (laughs) I like this is this kind of a breather from all that intensity. And we can kind of reset. Justin Long couldn't be more of a fucking piece of shit in this film. And I I fucking (laughs) love it, dude. I mean, just never up until the very end. Just does not even his last decision is just to be a piece of shit, a fucking oh selfish piece of shit. Oh my god, what so, a dickhead! That's that's kind of like the first thing I wanted to say, spoilerific, uh, for this yeah. review. But floor is yours. 
Yeah, I mean, any movie where Justin Long has to breastfeed from, like, a mongoloid, fucking seven-foot, decrepit, who-knows-how-old, naked fucking woman. Uh, you know, the thing... the, the the main thing that she I was got like, I'll, I'll fucking show. No, this is, I need you to be baby right now, and I'm gonna fucking exactly. show you how to be baby. You don't <laughs> understand, okay? I need you to empty this thing. But, uh, but the fucking the, the the first thing that came to mind with this movie is, you know, horror movies. I they they have a they have their fans, and then like famously, you know, the establishment Hollywood does not give them a ton of respect come award season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. A movie like this, you know, I, I was looking online earlier today just to see, like, what the temperature is for people seeing this movie. And it seems like everybody loves it. And it's just funny to me because, you know, people look down on, like, horror movies and cult movies sometimes, like The Suckling or The Unborn. Yeah, yeah, And it's yeah. like, dude, this is the same fucking thing. Like, if you think you are not into this kind of movie and you love The Barbarian, you're just a fucking hypocrite. Like, it... You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah, just here to yeah, have a yeah. good time. I mean, I was laughing as much as I was kind of, like, shocked by what I saw in this movie. Sure, absolutely. Um, Same. It was it was such a great uh, balance to strike, you know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was so much... For me, there was just so much to like. I mean, the whole section where it cuts away to the 80s and you have Richard Brake, who, mm-hmm. you know, he was the Night's King for a little while there. Yeah, I just found that out. And, yeah, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, but I always remember him. He's in a bunch of Rob Zombie movies, but he's uh, he's the fucking guy who shoots uh, Bruce and Martha Wayne in Batman Begins. You know, um, he, oh he's, damn, he's been in a ton of shit. Okay, yeah. Um, but as soon as you see him, you're like, okay, I know this isn't going to be good because he's right, always right, right. a fucking skeevy douche. But again, like the strength of the, either the writing or the directing here to suggest that he's probably. Well, he is, like, raping and murdering women after they give birth and not showing any of that, I thought was, like, really good, you know? like Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't need to beat people over the head with the exact fucking thing that's going on. I Absolutely. thought that was a good choice. And I think the, um, the other side of that coin, too, is that when we do finally see him as an old man, yeah, that VHS collection with all the labels... Oh yeah, and dude. all the different names. You're just like, oh my god, what a fucking creep! And one of them said like Redhead Convenience Store or something. Yes. You're just like, oh man, yeah. that's not good. My favorite yeah. was Irish accent. That was my favorite one. Oh, <laughs> it's god. just Irish accent. You don't know if it's a guy. You don't know if it's a girl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, sometimes you you see a movie like this and. Like you said, you know, some people are better at anticipating things than others. You know, I knew that everybody was saying you don't want to know anything going into this, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So immediately, me knowing that, I'm already, I have my guard up a little sure, bit. Sure, yeah, like, absolutely. Right, so yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So as I'm watching it, I'm watching all the scenes with Keith, and I'm thinking to myself, ah, he's probably not a creep. Like, I, I just had that in the back of my head. I'm like, if this, if this movie's like... I just have a feeling that he's not going to be whatever the bad thing is here. And, um, you know, obviously that turned out to be the case. But, man, I did not expect him to have his head smashing as a fucking rock. God, like over and like, over and over again. Just amazing. Um, but, but actually, I thought, I thought the film did a pretty good job of disarming you. When it came to Keith, and you're just like, okay, this is actually a fucking nice guy. They have that talk right. and uh, about the documentary, 
and he actually knows like the filmmaker watched the fucking film and that like lets her lets Tessa's guard down they start you know she actually has you know partakes in the wine and stuff like that and I fucking love that part I thought and again no I just real quick I, I just thought like okay Keith is okay this is great but the 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 scene at night where she wakes up and he's kind of like you know that was a little weird so that you might have your guard up again, but you're also just like, Tess, you're fucking nuts. No, you're you're just being crazy. And then uh, the following day, they have like a fucking another conversation about the basement in that kill room. And he's like, wait, so there's a bed in there and a light or like a bed in a bucket. And he's just so dismissive about it. You're just kind of like, oh, like I thought it, it, it gave me that sense. Of like, wait, right. maybe he's... And I didn't really think so, but it was like... I can see how an audience can go back and forth with Keith yeah. here in this instance, you know? Yep. Uh, but that also... One of the one of the strengths of this movie... I think I said it before, but like the withholding of information, right? So, act one happens and it ends with Keith getting his head bashed in. <laughs> act two, Justin Long gets to the point where he's now like you know, running through the, the caverns underneath the house, falls into a hole, and then Tess is still alive, and you're like, oh my god, yes. you know, like, holy shit. And then, you know, you're starting to find out what's going on there. Then, then the fucking creature or whatever, like, holds the bottle down with the hair hanging from it. You're just like, oh, fuck, man. Oh like, what the fuck is this? I um, laughed audibly when she's like, she wants you to be baby. Just be baby. And he's like, what? <laughs> right. Right. Um, it, it, yeah, but like right up to the end, I, I felt like there were so many good little reveals, little moments. Um, you know, you had said Justin, <laughs> Justin Long sliding her off the top of the water tower. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, my God. But but a great moment because what, it, 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 it's like it kind of takes your breath away for a second. And oh, then to sure. see the mother hop off the thing too, you're just like, oh my god! Like I did not foresee this, dude. You know when she fucking swan dives? Yeah, fifteen people, including myself, were just dying laughing. Oh, dude. It- how fucking funny is the homeless dude? He's like, man, I've been living here 15 years. She ain't never got in this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> gets fucking ripped in half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, oh, not man. even ripped in half. Rips. She rips his arm off and starts beating yeah. the fuck out of him with it. And That's right. That's right. Unbelievable. Like, say, I don't like the genre, right? Like, this, I won't yeah. say I don't like the genre. Because when it does it right in my eyes, like, for my... Uh, uh, appeal, it, yeah. it's just fucking amazing. And what that is, I love creative kills. I fucking yes. that is my shit. Like it could be a terrible movie, but you have fucking great kills, and it, that might up it like two points in the rating. Oh, it's, it's so good. <laughs> I I love. So obviously, this movie is making its bones off the fact that you go into it knowing nothing, right? Um. But I, I like that even though that's part of how you want to see it, that discovery process of what's going on and like the peeling of the onion of what's happening here, yes. it just it just became a really fun watch, you know? Um, mm. I was trying to think of other movies that have done this, and it's just, it's, 
I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, I certainly haven't seen this exact scenario play out, but I've seen, like, fucking, you know, grindhouse shit that has aspects of this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, the whole, like, monsters trying to, you know, have its own babies or, like, coddle people or, or you know, that is not super uncommon, but, like, mm-hmm. yeah, seeing seven-foot mongoloid, floppy-titty, fucking no-toothed, haggard, fucking <laughs> broad yeah. uh, as as the antagonist here was, was pretty... Uh, it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> what was your What was your take on Richard Brake just offing himself? Was it he's just like old and he's just over it and he's just ready to die? Or it just seemed like uh, when Justin Long said, "I'm going to get the police here," he was just like, "Okay, well, I'd rather die than deal with this shit." So I think that's couldn't he just kill him and to. still just kind of deal with it? Though? Uh, maybe, but. Maybe at a certain point, too, when you've been, you know, maybe you've been doing something for so long that you're just like, ah, fuck it. You know, it could be mm-hmm. as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, then you kill this guy, and now you got to maybe hide the body. Maybe, you know, this mother creature character, maybe there's a way to do that cleanly, but, maybe, you know, they don't give you enough backstory to know this, but true. maybe it's always been women that are down there, and this is like the first man that's been in... in the situation yeah true, true. yeah I, I don't know it's it, there's there's a lot left open to just you know interpretation there but. dude but I, yeah. I just can't um, <laughs> again just go back to uh you know stupid girls stupid choices she just makes all the fucking wrong choices and i know it's like it's part of the horror genre just being like don't go in there you know it's kind of little um audience participatory as far as like engaging the audience, getting them to you know yell out at the screen, I know that's part of it. It's part of like you know yeah. the whole grindhouse thing too. But uh, when she fucking pulls the rope, which I thought it was yeah. like that's a great way to kind of introduce a dungeon where she's just like mm-hmm. looking for stuff to get out of this basement, sees a rope, and like who wouldn't pull on that rope? So like, don't knock her for that. Sure. And again, to the to the director's credit of like including, hey, I know if I go in there, this door is probably going to close because I just got into this basement and that door up there closed. So she's able to weight down uh, the rope or it looked to me like she was able to weight down the rope. Right. I mean, to just like keep that that uh, concrete door open. And then when she notices the fucking stick, like it goes down even further and she's like, I'll fucking go down there. Just like, come. <laughs> it, it drives me crazy, dude. Yeah. But yeah. maybe. And I'm definitely supposed to feel that. I won't say maybe. Definitely supposed to feel that. But I just find it tedious and annoying. Yeah. And that's me. I mean, that's I, me. It's I not the that. maybe not the genre's fault, but just me. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's tough. It's it's like the the. How do you explain this? How do you explain this? Like, like this genre in particular, like genre, right? Just like, just label it as genre. Mm-hmm. You're there for the concepts, right? And sure. sometimes those concepts are difficult to get to. Like, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. stunt man, right? We we talked about that on movie homework. That concept is fucking awesome, and it's a pretty clean way to get into it, right? Like, yeah. of course, he's on the run. He just stumbles across a movie set. Boom, you're in, right? <laughs> yeah. In order to get 
what you need to happen in this movie to happen, you have to have the whole Alice in Wonderland, like, oh, eat me, right? Drink me kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. You, you have to bait the character somehow, because otherwise, like, I don't know how you could get her to go in there, right? True, um, yeah. So, I get it. I do. Um, I think that's part of why a lot of people don't respond to these kinds of movies, is because they just can't. They can't get past the setup, you know? Yeah, and I um, also understand that aspect that you just talked about of, like... I'll, I'll just take the opposite side of... I know that that's the purpose of... Like, the, we need her to get into the basement. We need her to walk down those additional stairs into the fucking dungeon. Yeah. It's, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the way I feel. I don't like that it gets yeah. me stressed. I don't like that it gets me tensed. All tensed. Like, I just yeah. don't like feeling those feelings... And I'll just put it on the movie. But also, I don't know if a bad movie that's still doing those same things is going to be able to get me to feel those feelings. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I understand. God damn yeah. it. Um, you know, all that being said, I I had a great time. <laughs> like, it was a good is, time. I won't deny I, that. I, I just want so badly for like every movie to feel the way this one does while you're watching it, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was fun. It was, it was different enough. Um, and again, the whole process of discovery of what was happening in this movie, it was just so much fun to like experience in the theater. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I look, I, this has not been a great movie year, but the, in my opinion, there have been three really solid horror movies. You know, I thought X was great. I thought the black phone was really good. And I think this is pretty awesome, too. Um, nice. I don't think that any of them are perfect, but I, mm-hmm. I think all three of them do some really cool things, um, are interesting for different reasons, and I, I don't know. It shows a lot of promise for the genre. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I can't wait to watch this again, in all honesty, just to see how meticulous some of those details are. Like, what else was planted earlier in the film for you to, like, pick up on later, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like the simplicity of the film, too. And, not, and by that, I mean, like, just the setting. I'm a sucker for, mm-hmm. like, a one-setting kind of film. And this is almost a one-setting kind of film. You know, we do go out to L.A. Sure. at some point once we meet Justin Long. We go to the interview in in, uh, in Detroit, uh, which I fucking love that scene too because she's like, yeah, I'm staying at this Airbnb. Oh, where is it? Oh, it's in this town. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, it's yeah. a little, you know, it's a little coming up. And she's like, no, 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 no. You shouldn't even fucking be there. Yeah. <laughs> the director's all freaked out. I love that part. Uh, okay, another little surprise, not to like harp on it too much, but uh-huh. um, the fact that the first night happens and then Tess like leaves the house. Yeah, and absolutely. Comes back later. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. watching and I was just like, oh, okay. So this that's not what I thought. I thought, like, one night th- that'd be it, you know? That mm-hmm. was cool. It just, I, I think there was some really intentional shit on the part of the writers to, like... I agree, man. I agree. Do it, some it, cool, different stuff, you know? Again, like, I give it a soft seven. Maybe I'll give it a strong seven. But, like, I do yeah. appreciate the writers and the filmmakers... Uh, just kind of answering those questions that people like an audience would have for uh, stupid girl making stupid decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yep. Or at least the situation of like double booking an Airbnb. It's like, well, no, they did it from different uh, booking services. Oh, it's the same number. And it, 
you know, like she takes a picture of his license. You know, it's all the things to make the audience feel like, okay, uh, well, she's doing all these things to protect herself, you know, which makes the audience feel a little safer, too. Right. Yeah, just I, I, I really, really like this movie. I mean, it's been a weak year overall. It's probably like handily in the back end of my top 10. I mean, it's yeah, gotta yeah, be. Yeah. Nice. Um, just a lot of fun. I, I don't know where this came from. I don't know what the impetus was to write this movie, but uh, I'm down for whatever Zach Kreger is doing next. Uh, this is very interesting. And, I don't know the smell. Uh, I don't know what he does, but get rid of him. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so good stuff. Um, again, eight on 10 for me. Um, very nice gotta guy rec- i recommend this to anybody anybody i agree man i agree and again like my bias is just like a personal bias and mm. like really doesn't have anything to do with the film in fact it it probably gives the film even more points just because <clears throat> i reacted in the way that i was supposed to or they, sure. that they, that they intended like you said it was very intentional a lot of the a lot of the things in in, in the film so yeah yeah. Shit, oh man. my god dude we are at fucking three hours look at us holy shit well this is gonna be a long one then for you uh full binge subscribers over on patreon that's right that's right where you can uh listen to the ben affleck movie tournament and i think there were what 12 playing games and or 12 playing movies and um you know you got some kevin smith stuff in there of course mm. You got some Matt Damon stuff in there, of course. Um, I guess we just realized that. I don't. I, where do you fall in in the? Okay, so you have you know like the binge cast, three of us. I led off this, uh, you know, hyping up the tourney with saying we realized we you just really fucking dig Ben Affleck. You have the other side of the coin where your coworker is like, don't even fucking talk to me about Ben Affleck. Don't even mention that motherfucker's name in my presence. Where do you lie on that scale? In terms of Ben Affleck. I'm fine with him. Um, I don't know that he's a favorite actor, but he's been in a lot of stuff that I like. Um, I wish that he had a better shot at Batman. Uh, That would have been nice, because he was just in shit movies uh, for his entire tenure as Batman. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't even know if he was good or bad, honestly. It's just like, he just got such shit material that I I, I can't tell you, but... uh, yeah, he's got the I, chin I for the mask. I'll say that. He's got the chin for the mask. I just don't know that the suit that they gave him looked great either. He kind of looked like a fucking roided out like wrestler or something. You know, it just didn't. Damn, didn't make sense to me. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I like him enough. I mm-hmm. like the whole Boston guy aspect to him and Damon. There's something. There's like a yeah. You know, I'm close enough to Boston. A little bit of ownership in that that I kind of like. There's a little realness there, right? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, Neighborhood knock wrong. Yeah. Way. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like them enough. Nice. Well, people can listen to that if they sign up for Patreon. Patreon.com slash binge media. It's a full binge. Five bucks a month gets you uh, the Ben Affleck tournament. Like I mentioned, we just did the Adam Sandler tournament. We did the Matt Damon tournament, uh, which weirdly included uh, Team America, which he's not in, but we felt like we needed to include that. 
And also the commentaries. We talked about doing the Gladiator commentary that Jack and I uh, recorded a couple of weeks ago. That was a lot of fun. Long time in the jizzing. And, um, you know, the Who Said It game, that was that was a lot of fun. Got to bring that back. Just a lot of uh, good stuff on Patreon. And uh, the second season of the docket, you know, just might end up on there. Also, the boys are doing a... Uh, what are they doing? 31 days of horror commentaries for October. They're going to be doing a horror commentary a day. And I believe we're wow. doing uh, some of them on the regular feed and some of them on the Patreon feed. So make sure you guys sign up for that. And that's going to be happening in a couple of weeks uh, as we mm. uh, get into October and the Halloween, Halloween season. So Very I nice. did record one. And uh, so far, I have my name on a list of stuff. Um the one I was on was just, uh, it was crazy. It's a classic. I'll just say it's a universal monster classic. And it was the first time I'd watched it. And the second time I'd watched it, I watched it with the boys. We did the commentary. And um, they had done a commentary before that. So they were nice and loose. It was like uh, showing up to a party that started at 8 o'clock. And you show up at hmm. like midnight. And it was just like, yeah. everyone's just screaming in your face. I've drunk. been uh, I've been pinged to jump on a couple of those commentaries, but both times I was busy. So I'm hoping that uh, the schedule lines up better in the next couple of weeks. So. Very nice. the The list of uh, horror movies that we're doing commentaries on is just just fucking phenomenal. Fucking phenomenal. Yeah, the, yeah. the list. When I saw the list, mm -hmm. it was awesome. I know that there have been changes since then, but uh, it was a very very solid list. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So make sure you guys are uh, patrons on the Patreon. Okay, sure. 708-406-9546 is the voicemail number. You can leave us a review, ask, ask us a question, excuse me, and also, um, you know, talk shit about, uh, I don't know, animation movies. Sure. Or, you know, and, and uh, the poor uh, voice acting that's going on these days as far as animated go. movies go. Because that's bullshit. You're right. We need to get those. That's that dude. It is that dude. You know, that voice right there would be perfect in a fucking animated movie. You played a lot of side-scrolling platformers. You'd understand what they're doing. You know, I have, and I still don't understand that. How about that, Kupka? It depends, man. Exactly. That's what I've been saying this entire time. I'm a Chris Evans fan from back in the day. Well, you know what? He was in the Avengers, so I get that. Before I start drooling, how big is it going to be? Quite big, sir. Quite, quite big gonna have to sign up for patreon for that so that's right jack valley my friend good to fucking hang good to fucking Absolutely. do this goddamn three-hour podcast i just mm. told my wife i was like hey, it's gonna be like a hell hour and a half something like that yeah shit happens yeah yeah absolutely you know the fucking conversation tends to take a toll tends to drive the the runtime of these things we don't have a hard cut off no We'll go fucking five hours. You know what? We'll do a fucking Ben Affleck tournament right now. No, we won't. Not at all. Probably not. Probably. All right, buddy. Let's just fucking get out of here. All right. So for those of you um, not signed up, we will see you next week. For those of you who are signed up for the Patreon, we'll see you on the other side. Thank you for listening to the BingeCast on BingeMedia.net. To listen to the full binge, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash BingeMedia. BingeMedia patrons will get access to the full binge. The BingeCast four-hour show on a private RSS feed. 
and they'll get it a full 24 hours before it hits the public RSS feed. Binge Media patrons also get other perks, so check us out at patreon.com slash binge media. Subscribe to the Binge Media Podcast Network at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I gotta go see a man about a dick. I'll talk to you guys later.